Dragnet. The Jack Benny Program. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. George Burns and Gracie Allen. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. We offer you Escape. Follow Miss Brooks. Suspense. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Fibber McGee and Molly. The Great Gildersleeve. Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? WGN Radio Theater. The special three-hour presentation with Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, about six minutes after 11 p.m. here on the WGN Radio Theater program. 419 in the series at September 7th. To my right is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. What's up? How are you? I'm great. How are you? All right, good. We have Shante Garth, our producer, in the booth. So things will go smoothly. We have three classic radio shows for you, including Crime and Peter Chambers, starring Dane Clark. Dan's look-alike, your husband's look-alike. That's so funny. You're going to have to check out our fun fact on our Facebook page because Carl posted a picture of Dane Clark, and it looks like an old picture of my husband. It really does. What we need to do is put a photo of my husband when he was a little bit younger next to that one, and we'll show you what it looks like. All right. Then after that, Duffy's Tavern from 1944, and then the Roy Rogers Show from 1951. So great lineup. We'll be here till 2 o'clock in the morning, but it's time now to play our game. Is it real? Or is it ridiculous? Brought to you by Cat's Pride. Yes, we're going to be talking about Sarah Jessica Parker for our one and the your twin, my twin. Eh, kind of. I know people say it all the time. I yeah. don't see it. Yeah, we're going to be. Do you have <laughs> as many shoes as she has? I wish I did. She's like a fashionista. Me, I'm wearing, you know. Is that anything like a barista? A barista fashionista. It's the same yeah, thing. That's what I yeah, thought. Yeah, exactly the same. Baristas like uh, to make coffee. Right, and a fashionista makes coffee in heels. It's the same thing. We're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to the pajama game, which is at Theater at the Center in Munster, Indiana. All right. Great so, show. So, uh, what caller would you like? We're going to go with caller number three. You can call right now at 312 981 7200, and we'll be right back. Come on, baby. Let's get it. All right, we're going to have some fun. We have Ann on the phone. Hi, Ann. Hi. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good tonight. Good. I'm so glad you made it through. And we're going to do a little Sarah Jessica Parker. We've got Carl here to be your land Hi, Ann. Your helper. And we'll see how it goes. All right. Here <laughs> okay. we go. Okay, number one. Uh, she made her Broadway debut when she was 12 in the musical Annie. Is that real or ridiculous? That's real. It is real. It is not real. Yes, it is. It is not real. She played in Annie. Uh, her Broadway debut was at 11. It was called The Innocent. See how what a sneaky sneak she is? That's right, I oh, am. It's rotten. I know. I'm just, I'm rotten to the core. God. Number two. In 2003, she became the spokesperson for L'Oreal Hair Products. Real or ridiculous? Yes, she was. Real. I'm so she sorry. <laughs> it, was Gar- it was Garnier. <laughs> So close. I'm telling you, man. She loves it when we get these things wrong. No, I only love when you get them wrong. I'm rooting for Anne. Okay. Part of the L'Oreal complex, though. What? Yes, I think you're right, Anne. What? 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 I think it's part of the same cosmetic corporation. L'Oreal and Garnier Fructis are owned by the same big conglomerate. Well, it's possible. 
Don't mess with Ann. She knows her stuff. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, Cody and Cody owns Rimmel Cosmetics. I mean, like crying out loud. There's only like four major cosmetics. I'll, I'll, I'll have to check on Here, that one. I'm giving well, this to Ann. No, no. You know why? Because it was Eva Langoria who was a spokesperson for L'Oreal, and it was Jessica Parker who was Sarah Jessica Parker who did Garnier. I'm just saying. Okay. I should do hair club for men. You or what's would... the gray one? What's the one for gray? Hair plugs? Did you mean? No. The word. <laughs> What is it called? The one that you can turn your gray hair? You're going to wash that gray right, right out, out of my hair. hair. Which one is that? Um, uh, Grecian formula. Oh, Grecian God. Is that formula. what you use? Wait a minute. I get this for that, for saying yeah, that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do, Carl. You got it. All right. Okay, number three. She's the only one of the four lead actresses who's never done a nude scene on the Sex and the City show or movie. That's correct. Yeah. That I is agree. correct. See, of course you agree because she's got it right. I just agreed with Ann on everything. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> and you are the winner. You've got a pair of tickets to the pajama game. It's running through October 13th at Theater at the Center in Munster, Indiana. They do great shows there. This is a Tony Award winning best musical inspired the film starring Doris Day. It's about, you know what it's about, right, Carl? No. Workers of the Pajama Factory. Yeah, it's about uh, seven and a half cents. In New York where they have a strike and the That's exactly right. And the other guy negotiate the settlement. Seven and a half. We need Anne to do like uh, a um, hell of a lot. She needs to. The song "Hey There" came out of. Hey it. there. She knows her stuff. You Sam. with the stars in your eyes. <laughs> you are absolutely right. And you, you run a huge corporation somewhere with hair for hair products. No, no, no. I actually, I used to be in the. Film production. Ah, okay, there you go. Well, you know what? For tickets, you guys can check out theateratthecenter.com. We're going to send you two tickets. And thank you so much. You're a great sport. Way to go, Ann. (laughs) Take care. Great talking to you. All right, Ann's a big winner. We have a text in line, 312-981-7200. We love getting your texts. And you know what, folks? We are going to have a whole new set of games next week. We're, uh, we're going to retire. Is it real or is it ridiculous? So this is our last weekend for Real or Ridiculous. Yeah. And tomorrow night will be our last night. We have yeah. something new coming. We'll oh, tell you about it later we'll tell you on. A it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, it is. And uh, you know what's uh, going to be a lot of fun right now, Lisa? Uh, Crime and Peter Chambers. Yeah, Crime and Peter Chambers starring Dan Wolf. I mean, Dane <laughs> Clark. Close, so close. <laughs> yeah, check out the fun fact. You'll see a picture of Dane Clark, and he looks exactly like Lisa's husband, uh, Dan. We'll he really does. I, I've got to get him to send, send us a photo. It's unbelievably crazy how close they look alike. All right, so uh, this series, the detective series, came to radio for one season in 1954. It did star Dane Clark, and uh, Peter Chambers was a New York-based detective working alongside the police. Now, Bill Zuckert, who I met and interviewed once, Bill Zuckert was Clark's best friend, Lieutenant Lewis Parker, and this series used New York's top supporting players, Roger DeCoven, Leon Chaney, Leslie Woods, and Lawson Zerby. Fred Collins did the announcing on here. It was a very good detective series. We have an episode for you now called The Cufflink Is... Dot, dot, dot. It stars Dane Clark. Here's part one of Crime and Peter Chambers. Crime and Peter Chambers. Created.
created by Henry Kane, transcribed and starring Dane Clark. Private investigator, duly licensed and duly sworn, Peter Chambers. You're a private eye. That's your business. Anything else, that's for laughs. No laughs now because you're working on a case, and the case happens to involve a little matter of murder. And there ain't no laughs in murder, despite the Broadway playwrights and arsenic and old lace. There just ain't no laughs in murder know-how. Your client is an insurance company that stands to lose 300,000 solid simoleons, and you're down at headquarters at the office of a good friend by name of Detective Lieutenant Louis Parker. Frank Reed, wealthy manufacturer of dolls, senior partner in the firm of Reed and Carson, dead by reason of an infusion of bullets in the office of his factory on 23rd Street. Happened last night at 10 o'clock. Now, what's your interest, Peter Pan? I've been hired by the insurance company, Louis. Huh? What insurance company? Samson Indemnity. Insured Frank Reed for 150000 Double indemnity, which is 300000 in case of accidental death. Frank Reed's brother is beneficiary under that policy. Correct. Gent by name, John Reed. Mm, quite a guy, this John Reed. Poet, dreamer, highly sophisticated hunk of nothing. Look, Louis, this guy stands to pick up 300,000 big ones. Frank took out that policy only four days ago, paid one premium. The company's going to get stuck, and get stuck heavy. Exactly why have you been hired, Pete? Well, overall, to help solve this murder. But if it turns out that John Reed knocked off his brother, the company saves 300,000 bucks. So they hire a private eye. You know, sort of an investment. Mm. All right, what do you want to know? Uh Uh-huh, to coin a phrase, the facts, pal, the facts. (laughs) See, now, the Dow factory's on 23rd. Office on the ground floor. Windows face out to an alley. Mm. Now, Frank Reed had an appointment with his partner for 10 o'clock yesterday evening. Private business conference. Windows were open, hot night. Partner gets there and she finds him... She? Did did you say she? Oh, Sonny, where did you get to that? She, and a gorgeous one. Viola Carson, young, beautiful, skillful designer. Junior partner. Boy, is she... Okay, okay. So she gets there. Yeah. When she gets there, according to her, the play shows signs of a terrific struggle. Frank reads on the floor, three bullets in him. That's her story. It's all we got is her story. Anything else? Yeah, the guy's dying. She revives him. He comes to for maybe a minute. He tells her, according to her, that someone came in through that office window, conked him from behind. That he tried to fight him off, and then the bullets came. See, he tried to write a note after his assailant left. Then this Frank Reed dies in her arms, and clutched in his hand is a note. You got the note? Yeah, right here. Yeah, take a look. See, uh, the cuff link is... That's the entire note? The cuff link is? Yeah, that's right. The cuff link is. Notice the uh, scrawl at the end there. His uh, strength gave out. He was trying to tell us something, but Lord knows what. Was he wearing cuff links? Yeah, he was. Any connection? None that we can figure out. Petey... Why don't you go down there and look over, as they say, the scene of the crime? Factory's closed, but the office is open, and that gorgeous partner of his is there. 
Well, you talked me into it, pal. <laughs> I'll join you there a little later. Swell. Oh, uh, by the way, Louis, any special suspects? Well, uh, if it wasn't some kind of ordinary holdup, the only ones with any interest is John Reed, this partner, Viola Carson, and then there's John Reed's wife, Linda. Mm-hmm. Oh, and a guy she's kind of stuck on, a dancer by the name of uh, Salvatore Cortez. Here, let me rustle up some of the details for you. You see, this John Reed is married to a haughty, kind of high-type thing. Twenty minutes later, you're in the ground floor office of a couple of doll manufacturers, Reed and Carson. The alley windows are open, but there's hardly a breath of air coming in. The walls are lined with shelves holding hundreds of dolls. All the same, the one type of doll they manufacture. There's a large desk, and that's cluttered with many papers, and on that, there's a doll, too, a sample of the one on the shelves. But seated at the desk is a real doll. She's wearing a man-tailored suit, but man-tailoring or no, this one's all woman. Blonde, blue-eyed, with soft rose-petal lips. She stands up, and the figure she displays adds a sparkling new interest to the matter at hand. Yes? What is it, please? Are you, uh, Viola Carson? Yes, I'm Miss Carson. Miss Carson. That doesn't hurt either. You tell her who you are and why you're here, and she smiles and dimples and cooperates splendidly in the question and answer routine. She corroborates most of the facts that Lieutenant Parker gave you. And that's about all I know, Mr. Chambers. Did you read that note that he had in his hand? Yes, I did. The cufflink is, and then a scrawl. He just couldn't complete it. Any ideas on that? No, sir. None. I uh, noticed that with that lovely blouse of yours that you wear cufflinks, too. Yes, at the moment. I'm wearing cufflinks. Ah. Now, you say you were to have a business conference with Frank Reed for 10 o'clock last night. Isn't that an unusual hour for business conferences? Well, um, Mr. Chambers... I wish you'd call me Pete. Why? Oh, people I like, I like them to call me Pete. And I, uh, like you, Viola. Quick, like that? That's me, quick as a bunny. Well, and we have the same natures. I'm rather precipitate in my likes and dislikes, too. Mm. Well, how do you, uh... Precipitate with me. I like you. Well, then, before we start talking about cocktails and candlelight, let's uh, get back to the detective and suspect routine. Shall we, Viola? It's your party, Peter. (laughs) Now, about that unusual hour for a business conference. Oh, there's nothing unusual about that. We frequently had conferences at that hour. I see, I see. Do you know Frank's brother, this uh, John Reed... I know him very well. What kind of a guy? Best I can express it. A character. You'd have to meet him to understand. You know his wife? Linda? Well, that's her name, I think. A spectacular brunette. Hmm? And one I hope will never call you Pete. Well, from what I hear, there's small chance. From what I hear, she's got a guy other than her husband, whom she loves to call by his first name. Salvatore Cortez. You know him, too? He's a flamenco dancer at the Bongo Club. Aside from being a terrific dancer, he's... Quite an inventive guy. It was he who originally gave Frank Reed the idea for this doll we make. This mama doll. Oh, you mean Frank stole it and this guy bears a grudge, Oh, no. He was well paid for his idea. There was no hard feeling between Frank Reed and Cortez. Well, how about hard feeling between John Reed and Cortez? None there either. 
Well, from what I hear, this Cortez is real palsy-walsy with the guy's wife. Well, you simply have to meet John Reed to understand that. I intend to meet John Reed. Um, look, Mr. Chambers. Uh-uh. Uh, Peter. Uh-huh. I, uh, I have got to go now. You can pick this up with me anytime you like. I'll be home most of this evening. My address is... I know your address. Oh. Uh, from the police. Oh, so. All right, then. Au revoir. That's the first portion of Crime and Peter Chambers from July 6, 1954. The cufflink is dot, 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 Dane Clark starring. And that woman there in the broadcast, Leslie Woods. She played Mary Wesley on Boston Blackie. This was a New York-based radio series, so it has all New York um, actors in it, like uh, um, Dane Clark, obviously, Leslie Woods, William Zuckert, and uh, the whole rest of the cast. This is heard on NBC. We'll get back to it in just a few minutes. I want to remind all of our listeners... That Lisa and I are going on a cruise, and you're all invited. We'd love you to come with us. We're going next August 1st, and it takes out of uh, New York, and it's going to Bermuda. Right, Lisa? Right. Um, so we're going on Oceana Cruises, and um, that is the world's leading culinary cruise line. So if you like food, you're going to love this cruise. Yeah. But more importantly, we're going to be going for seven nights. It's August 1st, 2020. And um, this is a real luxury cruise line, and we got a really great deal because we're going to make a classic radio cruise out of this. So it's going to be a real great combination of uh, we can explore Bermuda. We're going to stop at a couple islands there. We're going to have some great ship experiences with a casino and great food and the pool and the spa. And we're going to also have some fun with our classic radio excitement. We're going to have some games and prizes and reenactments and and fun. So we're going to really make this special. It's a week. It leaves from New York. We're working with a travel agency called Keen Luxury Travel. They're doing a great job for us. So they've given us a price that starts at $11.99 per person. It includes a whole lot of things, a lot of the excursions and gratuities and that kind of thing. Um, It would be a lot of fun. We hope you guys will sign up. There's a very limited number of spots that we have left. We know that a whole bunch of people have signed up and we appreciate that. We hope that you'll consider it. I'm going to give you the number if you want to talk to them. If you have any questions, the number at Keen Luxury Travel is 800-856-1155. 800-856-1155. You can also go to our website at WGNRadioTheater.com. Scroll down. There's a banner for the cruise. You can click click on it and read more information about our exciting cruise this yes, next year. Yes, plus you'll see Lisa in a big floppy hat because she doesn't like the sun. Well, that's true. <laughs> She'll but have I a like giant to... <laughs> floppy. She'll have the biggest floppy hat out of anyone on the whole uh, ship. That might be. That might be true. Right. Um, but I will enjoy I some floppy. Hats I will at enjoy all. Um, the pool and the spa and the fun. And I just want to hang out and meet our listeners. She'll be like, "Hey, Carl, could you go get me a pina colada?" I might. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have little cabana boys to do that for me. What do I need? We're you? gonna have a cocktail party like the first <laughs> night. We're gonna be eating together. We're gonna have a lot of fun. We're gonna. Talk about classic radio and get to know our listeners. We can't wait to meet you guys. So we hope you'll take a week and spend it with us 
in Bermuda or on our way to Bermuda and back to New York right? Um, beginning August 1st, 2020. So do call Keen Luxury Travel. Right. I'll give the number one more time. It's 800-856-1155. Yeah. Come with us uh, to Bermuda. Hope to see you there. We'll be back right after these words. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Hey, Lisa, did you get your classic radio club digital downloads for September? I sure did. And what do you think? Did I, you listen to any of them I, yet? I haven't listened to it, but oh, I saved man. them. Okay. Well, because I do it on my free time, and you keep me so busy getting ready for the show. I don't have a lot of free time. Lisa's a classic radio club member. She gets the digital download. So does Roger. But I save Roger them, gets them too. and the links work forever. Oh, yeah, they were So forever. there's no rush. I can take my time and listen right. to it at my leisure. And read the liner notes. I, I spent a lot of time writing those you liner know, notes. You know, I do read the liner notes because that's how I educate myself to be right. an You're educated You're starting to become co-host. like a pro about these shows. You're knowing all these shows. That's right. Yeah. It's from the liner notes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's some really great shows for September on the Classic Radio Club. You know, this is a club, folks. We, uh, we started a little over a year ago. And when you join the Classic Radio Club, you'll get 10 classic radio shows sent to you each and every month. You can get them digitally downloaded, sent to your computer. You can listen to them on any listening device. Or you can get the CDs, and it's five CDs in a collector case. And each CD holds two half-hour classic radio shows, ten shows, five CDs in a collector case. And all of the information on how to join the club is at ClassicRadioClub.com. We'd love you to join. We have hundreds and hundreds of your fellow listeners have joined the Classic Radio Club. It's growing like a weed. We're adding people every single day. We hope you will want to be a member. Go to ClassicRadioClub.com. Get your 10 Classic Radio shows sent to you each and every month. Plus, very copious liner notes about every show that I write. All right, it's time now for the conclusion to Crime and Peter Chambers. You'd have loved to have gone with her, but you've got work. You mess around looking the place over. You take a doll off the wall shelf and you handle it. Ah, cute. Then you look the desk over. And you pick up the doll on the desk. And suddenly it slips to the floor, and you stoop for it when... Somebody with a pea shooter in the alley, and the target is you. A look out of the alley window shows you that whoever it is is gone. Then the door opens. That sounded like gunshot. Well, it wasn't backfire, O'Bean. Throw a gun. Meaning? Were you doing the shooting, or were you being shot at? Shot at. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I was getting too nosy. Well, I think I'm through here. Hey, Louie, look, do you think I can sort of steal this little doll and take it home with me, the one here on the desk? What's with you and dolls? Well... Uh, this kind. I got a little attachment for this one. It slipped from my hands. When I stooped for it, those shots came over my head. So this little one sort of uh, saved my life. Sure, sure. Anytime you need a carriage or maybe a tricycle or something, just call on old Louie. <laughs> So, Papa takes his mama doll back to the apartment. And there you shower, clean up, and then you're off again on the usual routine pitch. Checking on all the principal characters. 
It's late when you finally get to John Reed's place, but they should be expecting you. You called and made an appointment. Good evening, Mr. Chambers. I'm Mrs. Linda Reed. Linda Reed. Tall, olive-skinned, and attractive. And she greets you with about as much enthusiasm as an Eskimo greets an ice cube in an igloo. She's wearing an off-the-shoulder evening gown tight to her figure. And she's got the kind of figure that a dress should be tight to. Mr. Reed is in his study, napping. Uh, I'll fetch before him. you start fetching, uh, Mrs. Reed, a couple of questions, please. Well, I'm in rather a hurry. About Frank Reed, deceased. Was he married? Nobody's told me. He was a widower. Two children, both grown, both living in Paris. Did he have brothers and sisters? Only John, my husband. He was the only brother. Only other relative, in fact. Did they get along, John Reed and Brother Frank? Well, let me put it this way. Frank adored John, as witnessed the life insurance policy in his favor. On the other hand, John absolutely abhorred Frank. Abhorred? But why? Because my husband abhors anything or anyone who is dull. And he found Frank a stuffy bore. I see. Uh, your husband is a poet of sorts, isn't he? Well, let us say, a writer. Do you sell many things? <laughs> John? Oh, no, nothing commercial about any of John Reed's work. Then uh, where's the wherewithal come from? Oh, Frank was always very kind. As I said, he adored John, actually admired his peculiarities. I'll fetch him now, if you'll please, Mr. Chambers. She goes down a corridor and disappears. And you move about, looking things over in the well-furnished room when... And you start going in the direction of the shots. When a tall, blonde man with sleepy blue eyes comes towards you. Are you uh, the alleged detective? Yes, yes, I suppose... Uh, Chambers, uh, isn't it? Yes, right. Now, look, what was that well, noise I imagine about? you'd serve a better purpose in there. My study. Gunplay, clues and whatnot. Think about that. Mrs. Reed? Mrs. Reed? Uh, yes? Those shots, what were they? Somebody out there, on the fire escape. Well, did you see who it was? No, and whoever it was is gone now. He ran down the fire escape. Oh, man or woman? I couldn't tell. I saw somebody, but I couldn't tell. Oh, that's too bad. Well, let's get out of the shooting gallery and go back out there and talk to your husband. Well, have you two apprehended the misguided soul who attempted my murder? What do you know about it, Mr. Reed? You are John Reed. Yes, I am, and I know nothing about it. I was just opening my eyes from a delicious dream. As far as I know, it could have been my dear wife attempting the assassination of her beloved husband. I wouldn't put it past her. Notoriously, poor Sarpo. Well, as long as we're all safe and sound, I'm a little late. Oh, yes, of course. Off you go, my dear Linda, and my best to Mr. Cortez. Good evening, then. That was Salvatore Cortez I was referring to. My wife is quite enamored of him. A highball, Mr. Chambers? No, thank you. Look, uh, don't our modern poets indulge themselves in the ancient emotion of jealousy, Mr. Reed? As they do, I suppose. And they do not. Speaking for myself, no jealousy. Oh, I should explain, of course, that my wife and I cordially detest one another. I see. And now that the howling clatter of pistols has subsided, I do wish you'd state your business, Mr. Chambers. Well, sir, as you know, I represent the insurance company. Yes, and... and they have some absurd idea that I murdered Frank in order to fall heir to $300,000. Well, sir, it's a pretty good idea at that. In time, I'm sure I'd have come around to thinking about it. But I didn't, that's final. Any idea who did? None, whatever. 
Any idea who just took pot shots at you? Same answer. I'll say this for you. You're amazingly unruffled. Well, I'm a fatalist, Mr. Chambers. My philosophy is that of the ancient Indians. Predestination. To put it in modern and laconic terms, when my number is up, it is up. I'm always singularly free of worry. Okay, let's change the subject. Now, your wife... Ah, beautiful woman, isn't she? Yeah, well, I mean your wife and this uh, Salvatore Cortez. Oh, great uh... dancer, that young man performs at the Bongo Club. That's where she went. No, no, no. What I mean is, uh, what Mr. do you... Mr. Chambers, your reaching and your attempt to be tactful. There's no reason for that. None whatever. If she's in love with him, just between you and me, I don't give one little toot in Hades. Now, if you please, a very good evening to you, sir. Next stop, the Bongo Club. From there, you phone to Viola Carson that you'll see her later. And then you lap up some scotch at the bar, and you watch this Salvatore Cortez perform. The guy's dark, slender, and graceful, wrapped up in tight black pants and a white silk shirt and banging his heels against the floor like he's sending out Morse code messages. When he's through, he joins Linda at a secluded table, which turns out to be not so secluded because you sort of mosey over. Chambers, really, this oh, is too much. Oh, you are the Mr. Chambers, Mrs. Reed has been telling me. Buster, for me, you don't have to make with that phony Spanish accent. But I do not understand. I will not have you speak oh, this way on. to me. Come off it, will you, pal? I've done a little back-checking. Your name is Sam Cortland. You were born in Brooklyn. Now, how do we get it, straight or phony? Okay, you get it straight, Mr. Sleuth. And straight is like this. Beat it. Sonny... Unless you talk nice, I'm going to yank you up by your little lily-white shirt and maybe paste you up against that wall. What do you want? Just a little chatter. Don't let him intimidate you, Salvatore. The name is Sam. Didn't you hear me? I know what his name is. Okay, what do you want? Answers to a couple of questions. Civil answers. All right, all right. Let's have them. You wear cufflinks? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. You wear cufflinks last night? Last night, I don't remember. I don't remember putting it in my diary. Oh, you're very funny. Next question. Where were you last night between 9.30 and 10? In my apartment. Can you prove that? I don't have to, pal. If it doesn't suit you, you prove I wasn't. You won't cooperate, huh? Words of one syllable? No. What am I wasting my time for? That's your time. It's my time that you're wasting what bothers me. You keep making with the crack, Sonny, and sooner or later, I'm going to rearrange that phony pussy yours. Now, please, Mr. Chambers. <laughs> You grab a cab to Viola Carson's place. And a cute little hideaway she's got. Terrace and stuff. Exactly the spot for cocktails and candlelight. And she's most gracious. Oh, won't you sit down, Peter? Is there anything new on Frank's death? Any clues? Any ideas? Well, there is something beating around the back of my head, but I can't put my finger on it. A funny case. Somebody running around taking pot shots at everybody, even me. Please, please sit down, Peter. All right. Ah, oh, good. Wait, I'll take that doll off the chair. It's one of ours. That's it. What? Sweetheart, I think I've got it. Where's your phone? 
call down to Parker and you ask him to round up the entire cast of characters and bring them to your apartment. And there, with Parker's cops making a blue-coated semicircle in back of the principals, you go to work with the two dolls. The one from Viola's place and the one you took off Frank Reed's desk. And now, Peter Chambers, the gentleman with the dolls, is not going to do an Edgar Bergen or a Paul Winchell. Peter Chambers is going to do a... Peter Chambers. Thank you, Lieutenant. Now, first, ladies and gentlemen, the regular doll. Listen, please. And now, the doll I took off Frank Reed's desk. Listen. You know the difference? Mr. Chambers, if you're so set on playing with dolls, I have a suggestion. Oh, shut up. Go write yourself a poem Just or a something. minute, Louis. Louis, easy, Louis. Once more, ladies and gentlemen, the regular doll. Now, the doll from Frank Reed's desk. Now, there must be a reason for the uh, vocal restriction of the second doll. There must be something jamming up the sound box. Sure. This doll just says, ma, and the other says, ma, ma. Hey, you know, you sound cute, Louie. Oh, I don't shoot. Now, let's get back to the unfinished note that Frank Reed wrote. The cufflink is, and then he passed out before he could finish it. Now, let's figure it this way. There was a tussle. He tore off his assailant's cufflink, and he put it somewhere. And he tried to write out a note as to just where he did put it, so that the killer would be identified. Now, it's my hunch that it's in the innards of this doll. So, I unscrew the head, and I dig in, like so, and I come up with a cufflink with initials S.C., S.C. for Salvatore Cortez, or even for Sammy Cortland. What about that, Sammy? Why, not? I, I never saw it. You get the picture, Louie? You see, this Brooklyn tamale bumps off Frank Reed. So John Reed latches on to 300,000. Then he's going to bump John, which explains the shooting off that fire escape. So then dear old Linda latches on to the said 300,000, and then Linda and Salvatore... Oh, Linda, she talked me into it. That's a lie. It was all his idea. We were going to get married, Linda and I, but it was her idea. She talked me into it's it. just the reverse. He talked me I into it. I don't care who talked who into what. Just keep on talking, Mr. Flamenco. Just a minute, Louie. Just a minute. Now look, Sal. What about me? Why should I be part of your private shooting gallery? Well, all right. After I got out of there, I... I realized my cufflink was missing. Right in the place was lousy with cops and I couldn't go back. After a day, I knew they didn't have it. How'd you know? Well, I had my initials on it. As long as I wasn't arrested, I knew they didn't have it. And then? The day I came back for it. You were in the office. I saw you with that doll in your hands. And I heard it, as you said, vocally restricted. And I knew where that cufflink was. I've had experience with dolls. The idea for this type doll was mine. I used my gun. You dropped in time. Okay, you two. Let's go. And so Parker links up with his culprits and heads for downtown. And you link up with the lovely Viola Carson and head for uh, cocktails and candlelight. And there you've had Crime and Peter Chambers. Dane Clark was starred as Peter Chambers. 
Crime in Peter Chambers was created and written by Henry Kane. Others in the cast were Bill Zuckert, heard as Lieutenant Parker, Bill Griffiths as John Reed, and Leslie Wood as Viola. It was directed by Fred Way. This is Fred Collins inviting you to tune in next week, same time, same station, for Dane Clark in Crime and Peter Chambers. Be with us again next week at this same time for another adventure by Peter Chambers in Crime and Peter Chambers. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. All right, that's Crime and Peter Chambers from July 6, 1954. Name of that show is The Cufflink Is, and then dot, 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 Dane Clark starring, and a good cast with him, Leslie Woods and William Zuckert and William Griffiths. And it was heard on NBC, although that was an Armed Forces Radio rebroadcast. Really good show, good detective series. We've only played a couple of those. We have a bunch in our library. Mm-hmm. There's, it was only on one season, though, so I think maybe we have about 30 episodes, something like that. Um, so the fun fact has a picture of Dane Clark. Handsome, handsome guy. And I was when I found that picture and I put it up there, I was like, this guy looks like Lisa's husband, Dan. You know? Right. So Dan just sent me a photo. Um, so I'm going to post them together. I'm going to do them side by side. I'm going to just need like five minutes to get that done. I'm going to post it on our Facebook page. Check it out and tell me what you think. And Dan has a really good radio voice, too. He, he has played, a great radio he voice. Played the, he could have played this part. Maybe it maybe it was Dan. In, a, in, in his earlier life. life. <laughs> yeah, I believe in reincarnation. Do you? Yeah. Mm. And I believe in Carnation <laughs> Instant Breakfast, too. I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Roger, what are you eating over there, Roger? Sweet and sour chicken. What is that? Which microphone is that? There Six. You go. Six. Uh, we have for our uh, what are you meal of champions for this yeah. evening. What do you eat? We eating? have sweet and sour chicken yeah. on brown rice. Wow, that sounds healthy and good. Don't and forget about the kosher cookies for dessert. <laughs> I'm not eating those. You are. You know, <laughs> I didn't you know, eat already. Dove into them. You know I did not. Not yet. Not yet. Well, I'm sure they'll be still still there when you go. <laughs> you know what's one of the things my mom taught me as a kid? Never bring food and eat it in front of people unless you bring enough for everybody. Oh, I did bring enough for everyone. They're cookies. I'm, I'm going to have some. Chicken. I'm going to come over there and have some of that. Right, fine, you can have some of this. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to play some commercials. I'm going to come eat some of your food. Right. And then uh, we'll have more classic radio. But first, these words. Drivers on their cell phones is a serious problem on our roadways. Whether you're talking or texting, cellular use is a major distraction. What is? Cellular. Oh. It's, it's kind of a tongue twister. Cellular. Um, please be responsible and put your phone down while driving. This salute courtesy of Nick's Towing, where they are working hard for the future of our great community. For all of your towing needs, call 847-671-5290. 847-671-5290. That's Nick's Towing in Chicago on the air because they care. Man, this 
Sweet and sour chicken is good. <clears throat> you know, Thanks, Carl, Roger. I'm going to share a text. I'm going to share a text with you. Okay. Okay. And they're so right. So somebody from 219 said, just so you know, yeah. number six microphone is used every week. And Carl asks Lisa each <laughs> week, which is absolutely right. You're always like, what microphone, what microphone are, you on? are you on? It's always number six. So is you don't it? really actually have number to ask six. anymore. Six. Number six. He likes number, number six. six. Here's the thing. What's the closest to the door? It's Here's, the closest to me. Well, that's true. Here's the thing, Roger. Yeah. I have so many old-time radio facts I that thought are you were going to say you have so many old people that like I can't remember one. something like that. That's oh, the just numbers trivial. Are, yeah, I understand. You, know? you don't have room for numbers. I don't have any room up there left with all well, this classic obviously. radio information. <laughs> that is very obvious to us. I don't have us. anything left. There's not much. She's got a couple of old jokes <laughs> swirling around, and that'll do it. I mean, you know, I got my uh, astronaut joke. Right, that's I was right. always at that. Mm-hmm. The taking up space one. Um, yeah. I got a couple of tried and true jokes. Mm-hmm. You know right. which button to hit each time. and mm-hmm. That takes yes. a lot of work. It, it gets does. a little confusing, though. Well, it's on the edge of his memory. It's on the edge of his head. <laughs> I not... see a little sticking out right there yeah, right. on the right side. <laughs> I mean, Be- beneath the Grecian gray hair. Yeah, right. right. The Grecian Somebody formula. said that if you use Grecian formula, it'll turn your hair green. Which may be an improvement. It could be. I might like green hair. I know. You, know? you would shrek. Shrek. How do you see being green? Yeah. Right? Okay, oh, Kermit. that was an excellent. No. That was a good Kermit? Kermit. Yeah. Kermit the Frog? Yeah, come on. Come okay. on. Uh, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't horrible. Uh, you, knew was it who I was, you knew who I was trying I, to Only because I know the line, not yeah, because right. of your voice. <laughs> he was okay, girl. Hey, there you go. Now that's better. That's good. Wow. Yeah. Um, so um, Grecian turned your hair um, green. Right. And, so, and then you know what you can have with that? What? Green eggs and ham. <laughs> oh, I do not like green eggs and ham. <laughs> Sam, I am. <laughs> Uh, well, that uh, sweet and sour. Roger shared some sweet and yeah. sour chicken with me and uh, good, brown rice. Really yeah. good. Yeah, thanks, Roger. You're a good You're cook, welcome. Roger. You're Not very bad. welcome. I'll bring uh, you some extra next <laughs> In our next hour, one of the best, the best, Roger, one of the best classic radio comedy shows of all time, and I guarantee you're going to agree with this, Duffy's Tavern. Duffy's Tavern. Where the elite Duffy meet to here. eat. The elite Duffy meet to greet. Here. And Duffy we're going to be giving here. away another pair of tickets to go <gasps> see Pajama Game at Ooh. Theater at the Center. Hey, Roger, it's guess real, what? It's a classic musical. Guess sure. what, Roger? Uh, uh, uh. We have a whole new set of uh, games starting next week. We do. Really? Yeah. Roger's going to be in on it, too. No. Yes, he is. <laughs> well, because you know songs. I mean, you're like a, you're like an encyclopedia when it comes to songs. <laughs> yeah, it's only about four pages long. <laughs> you can it's call not the Encyclopedia, encyclopedia well, you know Britannica. What, maybe if you do a really good job with the announcer, you know, with the song that I sent you, I we'll let you play the game. I will be happy to lend my voice so to here's, So really quickly, folks, here's the deal. We're going to change the game up next week. It's called uh, Guess, Guess That, that tune. Song. No, tune. not song. Tune. Sorry. Guess, Guess That, that song. song. I like tune. Because there used to be that Name That away. Tune. Right. So we want to change the, the name to Guess yeah. and the tune to song. Okay. So Guess That Song. Sure. And we're going to have a listener call up. Mm-hmm. We're gonna Just like s- we do now. We're going to say the decade. So maybe okay, it's 80s or 90s, 70s, sure. whatever. And we're going to play a short clip from that song, okay. right? 
and you have to name that or guess I that can name song. That song. Or you could in even two notes. Well, or you could or even say the person who sings it. the song. Oh yeah, yeah. Madonna. You could so, even sure. sing the song it's for fine. us. We don't care. Yeah. We just want either the song or the singer. Or right. you could just sing the song. Right. Whatever works. And then Lisa's to Lisa's going to tell you a few little um, facts facts about that about song. The song. So and I'm going to choose the song. So you're so going to learn. I have a lot of fun. So, a lot of thought is going into this as opposed to as, if Carl. Uh, well, that's because I'm doing it. <laughs> Carl would like, you know, yeah. play the, you know, the knock knock. The knock knock song. Knock well, knock. You, you never there. know what I'm yeah. going to come up with. I don't even know. So we just I think came up so with the great. game. You're going to win a prize yeah. no matter what, whether you yeah. get it or oh, not. Of we have yeah. some that great. That stays the same. We're yeah. still going to yeah. be giving away Lou Malnati's. I've got some Steppenwolf tickets coming up tomorrow Ooh. night. All sorts of great stuff. Yeah, it's going to be a fun new new game. We're going to freshen it up a little bit. You know, you need a little freshening up. Well, Carl does. That's what I was looking at when I said it. I showered today. Did you? Yeah. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. All right. So in our next hour, Duffy's Tavern. You don't want to miss that. Then it's the Roy Rogers Show. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Please salute our brave men and women fighting overseas for their support of the USA. This salute, courtesy of a concerned citizen, John Wadzita, serving in the U.S. Postal Service for over 37 years. John Wadzita is on the air saluting our troops. All right. In this hour, we have Duffy's Tavern. From 1944, special guest Colonel Stoopnagel. And then in our next hour, our third hour, it's the Roy Rogers Show from 1951. We'll be here at 2 o'clock in the morning. Our text in line, 312-981-7200. But right now it's time to play our game, Is It Real?, or is it ridiculous? Brought to you by Cat's Pride. Yes, the celebrity is Eva Longoria, who I just mentioned. And we are going to be giving away two tickets to the pajama game, which is playing right now at Theater at the Center in Munster, Indiana. What caller would We're you gonna like? We're going to go with caller number two. So call right now at 312-981-7200. And we'll be right back. Come on, baby. Let's get ridiculous. I don't like doing names. I'm bad at names. <laughs> Sorry. I, I think I got them right, though. I have tears Miguel Cervantes. Well, that's yeah, just how it, right. it sounds. Stephanie Izzard. Like lizard, I, but without the L. No L. <laughs> so got no L there. You may have gotten it right, but I saw your brain like spinning. I mean, I'm not good with names. <laughs> we have Jeff on the phone to play Really Ridiculous. Hey, Jeff. Hello. Hi, Hello. Jeff. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. That's an easy name, Jeff. I was going to say, I think Carl's got, got this it. one. No gotcha, problem. Gotcha, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. No problem. We've got Eva Longoria. You know See, her. See, I wouldn't be able to say that Eva five Longoria? times fast. Go Eva ahead. Longoria. Eva Longoria. There you go. All right. uh, I we, already. See, there I got that right. We all, all right. know her and love her from Desperate Housewives. She's really spectacular on that show. Did you watch that show? No. Oh, but I know who she is. All right. Okay. Number one, she was Miss Corpus Christi USA in 1998. Real or ridiculous? I'd say ridiculous. I'm going to go real. It is real. All right. That's for me. And then this is for you, Jeff. Sorry. All right. Let's try this one. (laughs) She was the last star to commit to the show to play housewife Gabrielle Solis. That's ridiculous. I'm going to say real. It is ridiculous. Oh, this is for me. got that one This right. one's for me. Uh, what? And this Number one's one. for you, Jeff. 
All right, here we go. She was a dancer with the famous Pussycat Dolls. <laughs> real or ridiculous? That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. You guys, it's real. No way. It is, I promise. <laughs> she was a dancer with the Pussycat Dolls? She was. Ah. Wow, that's impressive, right? Jeff, what do you think of that? That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Jeff, I gave it my best shot. You did yeah. a great job. Hey, you did great. You're a winner. And you know what? You won two tickets to the Pajama Game. It's playing through October 13th at Theater at the Center in Munster, Indiana. It's a Tony Award-winning musical. It's inspired the film starring Doris Day about factory workers at a pajama factory. And they raised uh, seven and a half cents, which does doesn't sound like a lot, but in those days it was. Huh? But give well, it. You, you know what? About if, a mile away from me. Oh, I'm so Perfect. glad. Perfect. You know, you know how it goes. But give it to me every hour, forty hours every week. That's enough for me to be living like a king. So, anyways, check it out at theateratthecenter.com. Thank you so much, Jeff. Um, by the, you. you have a wonderful uh, evening. I'll be listening. All uh, right. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Um, so, Carl, one yes. of our very smart listeners texted in from yeah. 630 uh-huh. area code. Can they say cellular? Uh, probably, but they also corrected you on how you pronounce Stephanie's last name. Okay, you were so Well, um, apparently that's incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Izard? Um, Ste- it's Stephanie Izard. Oh, Izard. Okay. Izard. Izard. Uh, all right. Sorry, Stephanie. <laughs> it's case, probably Stephanie <laughs> texting in. Um, I doubt that. Stephanie Izard. I don't know if it's Zerd or Zard. It looks like Izard. Izard. I would say Stephanie Izard. Stephanie Izard. There you go. There we you go. keep practicing. Well, Shantae <laughs> will edit it in correctly, and then when in the podcast, it'll sound that like I'm saying difficult. it correct. All right, say it for, for say it for Shantae. <laughs> Stephanie Izard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Duffy's Tavern. Oh, I love this show. It's so funny. It's like. Every 10 seconds is a laugh on Duffy's Tavern. Comedy show that came to radio in 1940. What a great idea for a radio show. Duffy's Tavern was a a flea-infested dive on 3rd and 23rd Streets in New York City where the elite meet to eat. Ed Gardner played Archie, the manager, and Duffy, the owner, he was an absentee owner. He was never there. He never showed up. He would call in at the beginning of the show, though, and say, hey, how's things going over at Duffy's Tavern? Kind of like you, Carl. (laughs) Yeah. And then he had a man-hungry daughter named Miss Duffy, and for a while, that part was played by Shirley Booth, who went on to play Hazel, and she was actually married to Ed Gardner at the time. Ed Gardner was the producer and star of this uh, series. Other actresses that played uh, Miss Duffy were Florence Halep and Sandra Gould. Sandra Gould was uh, Mrs. Kravitz, Mm -hmm. remember? Sure. On Bewitched. uh, Bewitched, right. Now, other regular characters, Eddie the Waiter, Clancy the Cop, and there were often guest stars. They would pop in. And, uh, you know, commiserate with the other uh, characters on Duffy's Tavern. Now, the uh, writers were great. Abe Burroughs, who is James Burroughs' dad. James Burroughs created Cheers. Larry Marks, Larry Gelbert, and Dick Martin of Rowan and Martin fame. They were writers on this show. In 1949, Ed Gardner decided to move the entire show offshore to Puerto Rico to save money. He saved uh, money on, uh, t- uh, you know, it was tax, like a tax, tax advantage, yeah. yeah. So uh, the 1949 and later shows are from uh, Puerto Rico. This is a 1944 episode. The special guest is Colonel Stoopnagel. They had their own show, Stoopnagel and Bud. And uh, you're going to enjoy this. Let's tune this in. Part one now of Duffy's Tavern. 
In cooperation with the Armed Forces Radio Service, the following broadcast is one of the radio programs selected to be shortwave to our Armed Forces overseas. Bristol-Myers, the makers of Sal Hepatic, a famous laxative, and Minute Rub, modern chest rub, bring you Duffy's Tavern. <laughs> Whether you late me to eat, Archie, the manager's faking. Duffy ain't here. Hello, Duffy. Uh, tonight, uh, Colonel Stoopnagel. Oh, I wouldn't say that, Duffy. Uh, no, he's lost weight. Uh, I would, uh, I would describe him more as a big thin slob. <laughs> huh? Crazy? No, he ain't really crazy. I'd uh, uh, describe him more as a wealthy eccentric. <laughs> With no dough. <clears throat> yeah. His inventions? Uh, well, uh, Duffy, he's invented some very good ones. Well, that uh, bathroom door that you don't have to wait outside of. <laughs> yeah, because it opens into a closet. Uh, yeah, and them, uh, them uh, round dice he has. Round dice, you know, for uh, people who would rather play marbles. Uh, another thing. Hey, Duffy, what's that noise? Mrs. Duffy slugging you with a frying pan because you won't buy her a mink coat? Duffy, you better leave her slug you. A mink would probably set you back about 150 bucks. <laughs> oh, certainly. Even more expensive than rabbit. <laughs> well, uh, that's, like, uh, on account of there's uh, more rabbits than minks. Why is that? Uh, well, uh, maybe it's because the rabbit is a f- friendlier animal. <laughs> Well, look, Duffy, I'm busy. Uh, fight it out yourself. I gotta go figure my income tax off. Close your back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Duffy's Tavern. Come in and meet Finnegan, Eddie the Waiter, Ben Avenuta, Peter Van Steeden and his orchestra, our special guest tonight, Colonel Lemuel Q. Stoopnagel, and Archie himself, Ed Gardner. Brought to you by two products it will pay you to remember. Minute Rub when you have a cold. Sal Hepatica when you need a laxative. Minute Rub, Sal Hepatica. Now, let's see. I got to figure these taxes. Now, my yearly salary, uh, that's annuities, uh, that's... Uh... $15 a week, and there's 48 weeks in a year. Uh, Mr. Archie, there's 52 weeks in a year. You're thinking of states. Uh, <coughs> uh, 52 weeks. There's, uh, there's 12 months in a year, right? Right. And there's four weeks in a month, right? Right. Well, you multiply four by 12 and you get... You're right, it is 52. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, holy cow, 52 weeks. Uh, except leap year, of course. Then it's uh, 53 weeks. Oh, naturally. Now, let's see. Uh, <coughs> uh, 15, uh, 15, you times it uh, by 52. That's uh, 630. Uh, shove over the zypher. Uh, that's, uh, that uh, makes the fiduciary. Uh, look, let me look at that tax blank a minute, eh? Let's see here. It says, uh, see footnote one. Footnote one, see schedule B. Schedule B, see footnote two. 
Footnote two, see footnote one. <laughs> footnote one. <clears throat> if you claim a credit in line 15, disregard line 19A, complete schedule L1, page four, instructions, and enter computation in line 19C. I'll ignore that. <laughs> Uh, must be a trifecta error. <laughs> now, if I add Schedule 1 to the 15... Uh, by the way, Eddie, you want me to help you with your taxes? No, thank you. No, sir. I don't want to bother you. See, you, you got enough work m- making out your own tax wrong. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, look, Eddie. Uh, you know, I may seem confused internally, but inside, my brain is going clickety-clack, clickety-clack. Like a broiler factory. Yeah, now, have you know that when I was at uh, PS4, at PS4, I was the mathematical genius of the school. Yeah. Well, if you stay any place long enough, you're bound to get to the top. Mm. <laughs> right. You should have seen me in them days, Eddie. Me knowledge of mathematics was positively gruesome. <laughs> yeah, master them all. Arithmetic, uh, geometry, adding... Uh, plain geometry, fancy geometry, uh, <clears throat> trigonometry, uh, calcium, <laughs> and, uh, Albert, Albert, uh, uh, square rope and a cube rope and a round rope, <clears throat> and the entire multiplication table up to and including nine times nine. Up to and including nine times nine, huh? Yeah. Uh, how much is nine times nine? Uh, uh, now that I think of it, I guess it was just up to, not including. <laughs> well, uh, look, uh, let us, uh, get back to this blank. Uh, oh, I just... Uh, what are you doing? Uh, me income tax, Bennigan. Uh, did you do yours? Oh, heavens to Betsy, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank goodness mine is all completely... Oh, it is completely, huh? Who uh, filled it out for you? To nobody. I went down to the post office, I waited in line, and uh, finally decided to fill it out for me shop. Well, how much was your tax? Uh, $600. Uh, Fennigan, how could you figure it to come out $600? Well, Archie, I hate to admit this, uh, but I cheated. Oh, you cheated, huh? How? I copied from the guy in front of me. <laughs> $600, that's crazy. Uh, you think the government should pay me more? Finnegan, the government don't pay you, you pay the government. Is that so? Then why is it so popular? What do you mean? Uh, you should have seen that line at the post office. <clears throat> Look, Finnegan, you got to fill out a return. Uh, Tell you what, I'll help you. We'll do it together. After all, you know, uh, one head is better than uh, none. Uh, oh, thanks, uh, Yeah, I demand a recount. <laughs> Now, look, Finnegan, what was your income last year? Uh, nothing. Uh, nothing, huh? Uh, any dependents? Uh, yeah, me father. He gives me a dollar a week spending money. <laughs> dollar a week from your father, yeah, huh? I wonder how we could charge that off. <laughs> Too bad your father ain't dead. <laughs> uh, we could, uh, call it an inheritance. Well, that's the break, son. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> well, let's see now. Uh, how about medicinal expenses? Uh, oh, none of those. Uh, uh, dentifrice? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I got my father teeth for Christmas. Oh, you got them teeth. How much uh, did you pay for the teeth? Nothing. I found them. Uh, look, uh, all I could do there was they, uh, was they front teeth? Yeah. And you can't deduct them. Well, father would look horrible. Uh, oh, well, uh, how much could I deduct? Well, let's see now. Uh, your income is zero. Uh, uh, the deductions is zero. Uh, 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 tax to be paid, uh, zero. You mean I make zero so I got to pay zero? Yeah. Uh, it's a crime, Arch, making a guy pay 100% of his income. <laughs> Put you in the upper brackets. Excuse me. <clears throat> Hello? Hello, Duffy. She's still slugging you with a frying pan? Oh, oh, now it's with the lamp, huh? What happened to the frying pan? They don't make them like they used to, huh? Well, uh, look, Duffy, why don't you buy it a mink coat? You can't afford it because you got to pay your income tax. Look, with a fat wife like that, you could put a picture on a blank and claim her as four dependents. <laughs> huh? You, uh, you absolutely refuse to buy it. Uh, did she hear you? Hello? Hello? Oh. <laughs> Goodbye, Mrs. Duffy. <laughs> she must have left him have it again. Say, what's going on over at Duffy's, Archie? Well, uh, Duffy is extremely ill. A uh, pounding sensation in his head. <laughs> oh, it probably comes from a cold. Isn't it awful what a little cold germ can do? A little germ that's doing it to Duffy weighs 350 pounds. <laughs> oh, but those little cold germs can cause plenty of misery, too, Archie. That's why it's so good to know about the famous Minute Rub way to help get fast relief from cold distress. If you're bothered by cold symptoms, your nose is stopped up, and there's an aching feeling in your muscles, simply massage Minute Rub briskly on your back and chest. That's all you do. Yes, and soon, in fact, even before you finish, you feel a pleasant sensation of warmth as Minute Rub gets to work to soothe the discomfort and tightness caused by your cold. At the same time, Minute Rub's active menthol vapors help relieve that stuffed-up feeling in your nose and throat. Minute Rub is greaseless. Minute Rub is stainless. Disappears like vanishing cream as you rub it on. Get after those cold symptoms with this famous modern chest rub that helps bring such fast relief that takes only a minute to use. Minute Rub. M-I-N-I-T-R-U-B. Minute Rub. But was that? And like, uh, it I was sounded talking. like he, he was la- Somebody else laughed when he said, "Rub it on like your a, chest," like a burp or something like that. No, I think it was a laugh. Somebody found some humor in that. When I was a kid, my mom used to use Vicks and rub it on my chest. Yeah, when they I'd have still a, have Vicks you know, vapor rub, right? I mean, like I remember being a kid and having a cold, and my mom was like putting Vicks on my chest and in my on my throat and things, and I would Do you smell think that worked. And you'd smell, smell that. like, like menthol. Yeah, it's like, I guess it would probably open up your sinuses and things because it was that, it's that but menthol. But it's not what we do anymore. Menthol? We go get no. some Mucinex or something. Or an antibiotic. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, right? but that doesn't help a cold. Yeah, well. Um, all right, so this is a very funny episode of uh, Duffy's Tavern. I love that joke about um, Finnegan said to Archie, 
I bought my dad some teeth, teeth, you know, and they're like, oh, how much did it cost you? Nothing. I found them. <laughs> that was great. All right, let's take a quick break. Then it's more here on the WGN Radio Theater. You know, I'm just going to tell you something, Lisa. I know nothing about music. So I know that. <laughs> it's, I'm going to be horrible at this new game. But you know what? You don't actually have to know about music to recognize the song. Right. I recognize the song, but right. I never know the name well, or the even singer. if you don't know the name or the singer, if you sing it for me... No. I'm good with that. No, you come can, on. You can finish the gotta, line for me. We got to have some guidelines. We got to have. We got to draw the line somewhere. Well, the bottom line you have is to name, you have to guess that song or the person singing it. It actually doesn't matter because you're going to be a winner no matter what. True. So you do your best. You try to name, it, and if you can't, you still win. Not name. Guess. Guess that song. You can call it that, but it's still it's you're still naming it. <laughs> you can use whatever word you want. But Roger knows his songs. I'll tell you. If Roger Roger would be better to play this game with the listener. Okay. Because he knows music. All right. Man. Well, then we'll just do it with Roger. In fact, he is the music man. <laughs> yeah. See you later, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't bother showing up. Here's me. Okay. <laughs> and now that Lisa knows her classic radio, yeah, she knows all about these shows because she's a classic radio club member. That's right. She reads all the liner notes. She's mm-hmm. becoming an expert on this stuff. I know. Pretty soon yeah. you'll be obsolete. I will be <laughs> the obsolete man. Remember <laughs> what that was? The obsolete man. Absolute. Was that an episode of uh, Yes of uh, what? Twilight Zone? You got. Hang yeah. on a second. Hang on a second. One second. All right. Yeah. Roger Badish. Can't get anything by you. Well, yes, you can. Trust <laughs> me. Please. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. The proud and honorable men and women of our military are still overseas sacrificing their lives and their families' emotions for another country's freedom. Please pray for the courageous troops of our military. This salute courtesy of Designer Decks by MJ in Morris, where they are working hard for the future of our great community. For information, call 815-941-4910. 815-941-4910. Designer Decks by MJ is thanking our military for their dedication and their service. All right. We are listening to Duffy's Tavern going back to March 7th, 1944 with special guest Colonel Stoopnagel. Here's the conclusion. Hello? Hello, Duffy. What? She left you? Oh, where did she go? Well, what did the note say? I've gone home to my mother. Goodbye forever, you take care of cheapskate. Signed, your loving wife. <laughs> uh, oh, Duffy, don't start crying. Oh, Duff, Duffy, don't. Come on. Chin up, old man. Duffy, please. When I come here, talk to him, cheer him up. Mrs. Duffy has left him, and the guy's really miserable. Oh, certainly. Hello, Mr. Duffy. This is Benet Venuta. Oh, I'm sorry to hear about it. Uh, what? No, I'm busy tonight, you old goat. That Duffy. Go ahead and sing, Benet. That guy with the memory of a frying pan still warm on his brain. Trying to make a date with another pan. I hate to see the evening sun go down. I hate to see the evening sun go down. Come.
Because my baby, he's left this town. St. Louis woman with her diamond ring. Like a rock cast in the sea Elsie wouldn't have gone so far from me Oh, got the blues, got the blues Got the mean St. Louis blues That man's got a heart like a rock cast in the sea Uh, oh, yeah, I gotta get back to that now. Let's see now. Uh, let's look at this plank now. Here, uh, I put down a tax that I know that I gotta pay. See, that's the uh, sure tax. <laughs> Wait a minute now. You say that, that's a sure tax? Yeah, uh, sure tax. S U R T A X. Oh, I see. And then uh, to that, you add the sure plus. The what? The sure plus. Are you kidding? The word is surplus. <laughs> Anyways, you add the surplus to the sure tax, and uh, then you... Pardon me, may I use your telephone? Oh, just the guy to help me with the taxes, Colonel Stoopnagel. <laughs> I certainly use the phone. Here's the phone, Colonel. Ah, uh, thank you. I'm in an awful rush. Uh-huh. Hello, information. I'd like the phone number of Duffy's Tavern. But, Colonel, this is Duffy's Tavern. Oh, really? What's the phone number? Orchard 29970. Thank you. Hello, information. That number is Orchard 29970. <laughs> You're welcome. In the future, please look it up in your own directory. <laughs> this guy's a maniac. <laughs> well, well, so this is, uh... What's the name of this place again? Zimmerman's Little Hunger. <laughs> 
Colonel, ain't you a little bit punchy? Well, uh, yes, I think so, too. But most people agree with me. Ah. And not only that, I'm also absent-minded. Oh, you're absent-minded. How did you get that way? Well, you see, as a child, I was very cruel to animals. And one day, I deliberately kicked a horse in the foot with my head. <laughs> well, well, so this is Duffy's Tavern. Yeah, yeah, this is Duffy's Tavern. And how is Mr. Duffy? Oh, okay. And Mr. Tavern? Colonel, <laughs> there is no Mr. Tavern. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, we've all got to go sometime. <laughs> but Mr. Duffy is carrying on, huh? Oh, he certainly is carrying on. His, uh, his wife just left him. Really? I hope they'll be very happy together. <laughs> Incidentally, Archie, speaking of marriage, I have a new invention for newlyweds. No invention for newlyweds? What is it? It's an overhead threshold so that if you marry a heavy woman, you can carry her under it. Oh. What do you think of it? Well, I don't know. To me, it sounds crazy, but <laughs> well, I think it is. <laughs> Archie, I'm glad to see that you have vision. Kind of stupid, I believe. Oh, uh, Colonel, a uh, man just uh, stepped out of the audience here, Clifton Finnegan. Uh, <laughs> Finnegan, Finnegan. Uh, were you ever awake by James Joyce? <laughs> no, no, I have an alarm clock. Uh, Colonel, you confused the guy. Uh, the correct grammar is Finnegan's woke. Uh, <clears throat> say it's a verb, not a tense. <laughs> Mr. Finnegan, may I say that you are a very intelligent-looking man? Oh, thanks, Kyle. Yes, I'm sure that if you had a forehead, it would be a very high one. <laughs> no, no, Kyle. I would rather have a head like yours coming up to a point. Yours comes to a point, too. Yeah, but yours comes to a higher point. Ah, oh, no, yours comes to a higher point. What is this, way to staple? <laughs> Look, uh, Colonel, uh, I got my income tax to fill out. Income I... tax? Well, that's right down my uppy. <laughs> Archie, would you like to reduce your taxes? Reduce my taxes? Certainly. Then here, take a look at my latest invention. Your invention? Uh, what, what, what do you call it? The Taxual Q Reducer Nagel. The greatest little machine I ever invented. Cut your taxes 80%. Hmm, uh, look, Colonel, uh, not that I doubt your insanity, but, uh, how can a little machine like that reduce your taxes? You doubt me? Let me read you some testimonials. Listen to this one. Mr. Henry Morgenthau, dear sir, since the invention of the reducer, Nagel, many people have reduced their taxes by 80%. Signed, Colonel Stoopnagel. <laughs> Let me see that. Hey, you're right. It's addressed to Morgenthau, all right. Yes, Archie, and not only that, the reducer Nagel carries a written guarantee. Written guarantee, huh? Yep, here it is. I, Colonel Stupnagel, hereby guarantee that if my invention does not reduce your income tax by 80%, sign Colonel Stupnagel. <laughs> Guy couldn't ask for no more than that, could he? Uh, excuse me. Hello? Hello, Duffy, she didn't come back, huh? You're lonesome. Well, sure. A dame that weighs 350 pounds must leave quite a gap in a guy's life. <laughs> hey, hey, wait a minute, Duffy. I got an idea. Colonel Stoopnagel invented a machine that'll knock 80% off your taxes. Huh? Well, so what? All great inventors is nuts. Take Robert Fulton. <laughs> yeah, they call him Bugs. That other guy that invented gravity. 
No, they call him Figs Newton. <laughs> sure. And uh, look, Duffy, with the uh, 80% that this machine saves you, you can go out and buy Mrs. Duffy a mink coat and anything else a big, fat heart desires. <laughs> huh? You'll go right out to I.J. Fox? boy, <laughs> Duffy. Leave your income tax to me and the Colonel. We'll read those. Okay. Uh, Colonel, uh, warm you all up the reducing egg. <laughs> We're going to do Duffy's tax. Oh, say, Archie. Oh, Colonel Stupnagel, this is Danny Seymour, our announcer. Oh, really? I, I once invented an announcer, but it didn't look anything like you. Uh, did it work, Colonel? Yes, except for one thing. I couldn't invent anything for my announcer to say. Oh, well, Colonel, the most helpful statements aren't invented anywhere. They're facts. Oh, sure, like what Danny here has to say. Yes, a fact like this, for instance, ladies and gentlemen. According to a nationwide survey of thousands of people, the two things most wanted in a laxative are first, speed... And second, gentleness. Well, those are two of the very things that have made Sal Hepatica famous. Remember that when you wake up feeling dull and headachy because you need a laxative, and take that famous saline, Sal Hepatica, right away. Well, then you can depend on speedy Sal Hepatica to bring exceptionally gentle relief, and usually within an hour. So you can see, with Sal Hepatica, it's not necessary to wait till night to take the laxative needed in the morning, and consequently, not necessary to risk feeling miserable all day. And Sal Hepatica has this additional advantage. Sparkling Sal Hepatica also helps sweeten an upset stomach by helping to reduce excess gastric acidity. So before another day goes by, ask your druggist for a bottle of Sal Hepatica, remembering this caution use only as directed. Then any time you need a laxative, morning, noon, or night, see how much faster you feel better when you take gentle, speedy Sal Hepatica. <laughs> Save Duffy enough taxes to buy Mrs. Duffy a mink coat. Now, we've got to get it down from uh, 200 bucks to about 50. All right, Archie, let's get to work. What's the weekly income of this joint? Uh, the weekly income? You uh, mean a, a good week or a bad week? <laughs> An average week. That's a bad week. Uh, oh, I'd say about $30. Uh... Okay, we'll put it on the machine. About $30. Mm-hmm. That's A, B, O, U... T, 30. Colonel, if I didn't see it with my own eyes, I wouldn't believe it. <clears throat> Wait a minute. Here's some more figures, Colonel. Put them on a machine while I answer the phone, huh? Okay. Uh, hello? Uh, hello, Duffy? Huh? You what? You bought the mink, huh? What kind? Cheap mink? I never heard of it. How do you spell it? C-H-I-P. Duffy, that's chipmunk. <laughs> Well, uh, well, she'd probably like the chipmunk, Duffy. Sure. Yeah, that's right. She ain't got no taste. Uh, what? Huh? Oh, the machine is going great. Yeah, doing a great job. I'll call you back. Uh, what happened, Colonel? Tilt. <laughs> but it'll be all right. Uh, well, just see that the tax ain't no more than 50 bucks now. Uh, what do we do now? Well, I've entered all the figures. Now I set the automatic adjustment. I checked the barometric pressure. <laughs> and we're all set to go. Take it away, Reducer Nagel. There. 
You'll find your tax total on this little white card. This little card, huh? Yes, read it. You have a pleasant disposition <laughs> and make friends easily. Just a little extra service. Your tax is on the back. On there the back? Yeah. Oh, oh, on the back. The total? Total income tax, $2,000. Colonel, who invented this machine? You or Morgenthau? See, really, I'm embarrassed. This is the first time this has ever happened. You sure? Positive. It's the first time I ever used the machine. <laughs> Let me try it again. There we are. Let's look at a card now. You are a person who loves to travel. Read the other side. Pay the $2,000 or we'll send you to Alcatraz. <laughs> hmm. Stoop Duffy can't afford to pay $2,000. Archie, you've given me an idea. I hereby renounce the reducer nagel. I hereby christen this machine the Tactual Q Increaser Nagel. Increaser nagel? Yes. It's to help poor people to get into the higher income tax brackets. <laughs> but, Colonel, please, Duffy was buying a mink on a strength at $150. We was going to save him on a reducer nagel. What? Oh. Hello? Hello, Duffy. Did you buy the coat? You did, huh? Did she come back? Yeah, huh? And she liked the coat, and, and you're both very happy, huh? You don't know how to thank me, huh? Look, Duffy... If I was to tell you... No, I can't spoil it. Duffy, I hope you and Mrs. Duffy will continue to be happy for many, many years. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't tell it to the guy. They're too happy, you know. I'll, I'll pay the 150 out of my own pocket. Huh? time to leave Duffy's Tavern for the evening, but let's all meet here again next week when our guest will be Gertrude Lawrence. And in the meantime, if you have a cold... Remember Minute Rub. If you need a laxative... Remember Sal Hepatica. And if you have a half hour next Tuesday evening at this same time, remember... Uh, Duffy's Tavern, what do you late meet to eat? Archie the manager's bacon, Duffy ain't... Oh, look, Duffy. Yeah, that's right. Next week, Gertrude Lawrence. Ooh! Uh, yeah, the English actress. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna get all dressed up, Duffy, you know, in a top hat, a white tie, and a manacle. A manacle. A pair of one-eyed glasses. Yeah, like them C&I Englishmen wear. Uh, well, good night, Duffy. See you next week. This is the Blue Network. You are listening to KECA Los Angeles. Yeah, that was the Blue Network. You know, back in the uh, early 40s, the Blue Network was part of NBC. NBC split off into the uh, into the Blue Network, became ABC. So there was NBC and ABC. But that was a broadcast from uh, March 7th, 1944. Duffy's Tavern special guest, Colonel Stoopnagel. Now, he... He and uh, his partner on the radio, Bud, it was a show called Stoopnagel and Bud, 
They were working at a radio station in 1931, kind of just working behind the scenes of a radio station. And one of the feeds that was to come in, there was a there was a uh, transmitter failure, and there would have been dead air. So these two guys, one guy was like an engineer, the other guy was an on-air like announcer. They went on the air and started joking around and playing the uh, piano. And they were so good on the air, no script, just completely improvisation. And they were so popular that the station then gave them their own time slot to just do that all the time on the air. See, that transmitter prop, uh, problem changed their lives. That's right. You and just then never know. Before long, they were off to New York City for their own show, a uh, show called The Gloom Chasers, and then that turned into Stoop, Nagel, and Bud. And that's who you heard uh, one half of that team, Stoop, Nagel, and Bud, Colonel Stoop, Nagel, on that show, Duffy's Tavern. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more here on the WGN Radio Theater. Texting and driving is very serious. Remember, safe driving is everyone's responsibility. Put the phone down and don't text and drive. This message, courtesy of Blaine's Automotive, located at 11917 South Arrow Drive in Plainfield. For the best in automobile service, stop by 11917 South Arrow Drive in Plainfield or call 630-877-0097. 630-877-0097. That's Blaine's Automotive on the air, reminding everyone to arrive alive, don't text and and drive. I probably need my microphone on, right? That's okay. You can leave it off. Hang out. I gotcha. How's that? How's that? Aren't you funny? Good. All right. I'm fine with that. Um, in our next hour, the Roy Rogers show. Uh, we haven't played very many Roy Rogers no. show. I, I like Roy Rogers. He's great. Along with uh, his uh, his his uh, Wonder Dog Bullet and his horse Trigger. Did you know that? I used to watch. I used to watch it uh, on MeTV a lot. I don't know if it's airing on uh, MeTV and Antenna TV, but they yeah, were on radio first, and then uh, transitioned to television. Like most of these radio shows, you know, like yeah. Gunsmoke and Dragnet, Jack Benny, Burns and Allen, Ozzy and Harriet. These were all on the radio, and then made that transition over to television, and we get to watch those TV shows now on MeTV and Antenna TV. Yep. They do such Father a great knows job. Best, I think it's still on. Father knows best. I'm trying to think. Uh, oh my gosh, so many Red Skelton show. Mm-hmm. Um, Bonanza was never on the radio. No, no. But Gunsmoke, of course, a completely oh, yeah. different cast. But so many of these uh, radio shows that we listen to were on uh, television later. Yeah, made the transition. Um, Hey, I want to remind all of our listeners that we do have a classic radio club. It's just for you. If you'd like to join the Classic Radio Club, you can learn all about it at ClassicRadioClub.com. And you know what? Every single month, Lisa, it's 10 new shows that we send to our Classic Radio Club members. And these shows are complete, unedited, and digitally remastered. They sound amazing. And there's also liner notes that I write about the the, uh, 10 shows. And each month you will get 10 new shows, never get a repeat, and you can cancel at any time. Join the club and then cancel if you're not happy. Right? Right. But you'll be happy. Nah, you'll be happy. (laughs) Uh, So what did you do this week? Anything uh, exciting? Um, uh, Besides getting a mani-pedi, <laughs> no. having your eyelashes uh, curled? Oh, no, just the regular 
Regular stuff. Really? Like yeah. what? Um, Anything special? So any plays? I, I saw some plays. What play? Uh, last night I saw The Fantastics at Skokie Theater. Was it fantastic? It was pretty darn good. Yeah? I saw... So The Fantastics um, wasn't fantastic? It was, it was just pretty darn good? No, it was pretty fantastic. All right. I saw um, the uh, the band's visit as part of the Broadway and Chicago this series. This is Lisa Wolf's life. At the life. Cadillac Palace Theater. She, I call her. <laughs> what are you doing? Manny Patty. What are you doing later? Oh, no. Going to see a play we with go Dan. To see shows a lot. See a lot and, of plays. Um, I'm on I, the train going downtown. I'm starting see a play. Up my other job um, again. Uh, the one at the Gift of Hope, which is in is Itasca. That? What's that? The Gift of Hope. It's organ and tissue donation center. I know We've that, about but that. I mean, what do you do there? Um, right, this now we're uh, going there to make some um, training videos. Oh, yeah. It's really I can't talk too much about it. It's kind of top secret. It's top secret. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's like James Bond stuff. Yeah, I can't she tell could, you. I'll have to kill you. She could tell. Yeah, she could tell you, but then she'd have to take you out I back are, in the I alley. Said it. <laughs> take care of you. It's eighteen floors down. That'd be. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't have to take me. You know, just push me off the ledge. Right. She, you'd get there first because she'd take the elevator. Right. You'll fly down. <laughs> so yeah, that's a lot of when fun. When does and that I start? Just, that's during the week. You really can't talk about it. Yeah. And, <laughs> hey, it's during the week. And it's then this Friday the is the walk. The walk of fame. You guys. The WGN Radio Walk of Fame. We're going to be there Friday at 10 a.m. I think we're going to be broadcasting live. Right? Yeah. Right? Are we? They always broadcast live. They always sure. do. It's at a different location now because we are at a different location. But um, we'll be doing that from 10 till 11 on Friday morning. So that will be really great. We're going to be honoring Andrea Darlis and John Williams and Marlene Wells. And is it Sam Wines? Dine, Weinstein. 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 Yeah, Ten yeah. Pin Tattler. Yeah. Wow, that'll be good. So um, it's going to be really special. And then the day. most important thing food afterwards. Well, we will have a nice lunch afterwards, right, Roger. I'm sure. Yeah. Some good food afterwards. Oh, there's <laughs> always good food there, after but... that. <laughs> Excellent. You're going to bring some home for me, right? I'll do it. I I'll do much. that. Okay. <laughs> All the good stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, in our next hour, the Roy Rogers Show. Don't miss that. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Please salute our brave men and women fighting overseas for their support of the USA. This salute courtesy of a concerned citizen, John Wadzita, serving the U.S. Postal Service for over 37 years. John Wadzita is on the air saluting our troops. All right. In this hour, we will tune in to the Roy Rogers Show from 1951. Hope you will enjoy that. But right now it's time to play our game. Is it real or is it ridiculous? All Brought right. to you by Cat's Pride. Yes, this celebrity is very real. It is Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner. Yep. Okay. Okay. And we're going to give away a pair of tickets to the pajama game at Theater at the Center in Munster, Indiana. And what caller would we're you gonna like? We're going to go with caller number five. You can call right now. 312-981-7200. We'll be right back. Come on, baby. Let's get all right let's do this we have steven on the phone hey how are you okay terrific hi steven hi there carl all right all right we're going to talk a little bit about rob reiner yeah meathead, okay. meathead. Rob Reiner. that's the son of carl exactly that's right. well, not that's my right, son meathead. but definitely <laughs> <laughs> okay. we'll just call him meathead number one rob reiner starred in directed and co-wrote the classic 1984 rock band spoof this is spinal tap wait a minute before you answer 
Can you repeat it? He did what? He did what to the spinal tap? He, what? <laughs> he wrote. Did you? What else did you say? I said he starred in, yeah. directed, and co-wrote. All right. What do you think, Stephen? Uh, spinal tap. This is spinal tap. Yep. Uh, mm, We're here till two. What? What do you think? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say real. It is real. It is real. That yes. is absolutely correct. <laughs> all right, Carl, you got to help fa- him it's out. It's one of my favorite movies of it's all time. It's a great movie. Yeah. Number two, his production company, Castle Rock, is named after a fictional town that often appears in Stephen King's work. Real or ridiculous? Uh, I think that's real. I think it's real, too. I think it's real, too. See, you guys are on a roll. All we right. got it going here, Stephen. His star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame is next to his father, Carl's star. Hmm. True or false? True or false. Well, it's real or ridiculous. True. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, right? Kind of makes sense that it would be, but... Okay, Lisa's, I'm going to use logic. I'm going to say... She's that, sneaky, though. Uh, probably there wouldn't have been a way to keep the space empty. Yeah, that makes sense. Was, <laughs> I'm going with I'm Steven. that star, so I'm going to say no. Ridiculous. Ridiculous? I'm sorry. Oh, wah, wah, man. wah. <laughs> that one is real, too. I gave you all reels, but you know what? It's absolutely real that you won. So you've got a pair of tickets to the pajama game. It's playing through October 13th at Theater at the Center in Munster, Indiana. And uh, it's a great show. It's a great theater. Um, we're at a pajama factory who want seven and a half cents raised. You can check it all out at theateratthecenter.com. They do great work there. Hope you have a chance to go see this show. It's a lot of fun. I'll give you That's three really cents raised. Thanks so much. Thank Stephen, you. let's just give Lisa three cents raised, well, not seven and a half. Well, if you give it to me every hour, 40 <laughs> hours every week. Stephen, you pitch in a, a penny and a half, and I'll pitch in a penny and a half. We'll give her a three cent raise. Well, that would be about 300% above what <laughs> where I'm at right now. Uh, have fun at that show, Stephen, okay? Enjoy the show, All right, buddy. Thank you. Great talking to you. Stephen's a big winner, and so are our listeners. 312-981-7200 is our our text in line. Yeah, text in. We're here till 2 o'clock in the morning. We love getting your text, and it's time now for the Roy Rogers Show. Good Western that came to radio in 1944, lasted all the way till 1955. He was the king of the cowboys, Lisa, and Roy Rogers starred with his wife, Dale Evans, and his sidekick, Gabby Hayes. Songs were performed by the Sons of the Pioneers, but were replaced in 1948 by Foy Willis and the writers of the Purple Sage. And in the show's later years, Pat Brady replaced Gabby Hayes. Uh, Roy's horse was Trigger, remember? I do. Trigger, and his German shepherd wonder dog was named Bullet. The 30-minute weekly radio show featured songs and uh, dramatized adventures with Roy catching the bad guys. It was seen on TV from 1951 until 1957. And on the TV show, Pat Brady was Roy's sidekick. All right, good radio western adventure for you now. November 9th, 1951. This is called The Gang of Counterfeiters, part one now of The Roy Rogers Show. B-O-S-T! B-O-S-T, Post, the serials you like the most, brings you The Roy Rogers Show, starring the king of the cowboys himself, 
Roy Rogers. It's Roundup Time on the Double R Bar. So saddle your horse, cause we're gonna ride far. The Double R Bar Ranch transcribes stories and songs of the real West with the Whippoorwills. The wisest trail scout of them all, Jonah Wilde, played by Forrest Lewis. The Queen of the West, Dale Evans. And in person, the King of the Cowboys, Roy Rogers. <laughs> Well, howdy, folks. This is Roy Rogers. Buckaroos, aren't you glad now that you got your mom to put Post cereals on the shelf? <laughs> you just bet you are. And take my word for it, anything bearing the brand name Post is good. Well, sir, we're on the alert out here in Paradise Valley, Buckaroos. Somebody's been passing a lot of counterfeit money. And it's mighty serious to a man when he finds the money he's earned and needs is counterfeit. We're after the counterfeiters, and we're going to get them before we're through. This whole territory will be broke pretty soon, Sheriff, unless somebody catches up with those counterfeiters. You don't need to tell that to me, Dale. I know it all too well. Well, the federal men seem to think they know who's passing it. Well, they know of one gang that sometimes floods a single territory with bad money and instead of distributing it over a wide area, but there's no evidence to connect the gang with our trouble. Well, I don't see how so much bad money could have been passed so... Hey, listen. Trouble. Sounds like a fight. It's coming from across the street, Dick Wiley's place. I'll see you later, Dale. Listen, there's some bad hombres hang out at Wiley's place, Sherry. That's why I'm going over. Roy and Jonah are over at the blacksmith shop. I'll go get them. You may need some help. You leave me alone. I didn't know it was counterfeit. Turn that man over to me. Hurry up, Jonah. The sheriff's in trouble. Yeah, well, what's he expect? Poking his nose into a place like this. A lady serving tea and curling with her fingers. Roy, it's Ed Hobbler. These owl hoots are holding him. Simmer down here. Don't make him let me go. Well, don't make us go for our guns. Let him go, Red. Hobbler, walk this way toward us. Yeah. Say, Sheriff, why don't you get a job guarding silverware at a high society wedding or something? Then you wouldn't run into this rough stuff. Over here, Ed. I would if I knew for certain I wouldn't meet a spavined ex-private from General T.K. Rowe's army. Well, that... Now, don't you call me spavin'. Hold it, Jonah. Well, I got as smooth a pair of hawks as there is in the country. And as pretty, too. All right, Ed. I wanted to pay a debt I owed Dick Wiley. I didn't know the money I gave him was counterfeit. Move on outside, Ed. I defy anybody to find his spavin on my hocks. I say anybody. Take Ed to your office, Sheriff. Jonah and I will back through this door behind you and see that there's no interference. The law has to handle men trying to pass bad money, not owl hoots. Sheriff, I tell you, I didn't know my money was bad. I've never been in trouble, not in all the time I've lived here. Where'd you get this money, Ed? Small time sheriff asking questions like a detective to cover up. He's got a shock of a brain. Poo. I say poo, poo, poo. Come on, Ed. We want the truth. Where'd you get it? Working. That money was in the pay envelope I got at the Mitchell Ice Company. I swear it was. You want to hold Ed, Sheriff? I'll have to until the federal men have talked to him. No, please. I got regular antelope pox. That's all right, Ed. While you're waiting here... Joan and I will go over and see how the Mitchell Ice Company handles their payroll. Rogers, nobody in the world has got a right to ask me how I handle my payroll. 
I absolutely refuse to answer. Roy, this fellow may have to be put with the awkward squad. There's the door. Come back again when you want to do business, but not ask questions. Okay, Jim. You can expect a visit from the federal men before the day's over. Come on, Jonah. Yeah. Well, confidentially, Roy, I think I seen this feller fighting on the side of the Indians in the Battle of Crow Canyon. Wait a minute, Rogers. What was that you said about federal men? Ed Hobbler claims he got counterfeit money in his pay envelope. That's impossible. Only one man beside myself has access to the money, Milt Keebler. And he's been with my company for almost 16 years. Would you mind sending for Milt now so we can talk to him? Well, he's not here. Milt's in Squaw Creek. Getting money for this week's payroll, huh? Well, yes. That's what he's doing. I wonder if... Say, Jim, as a businessman, you're as anxious to trace this counterfeit as we are. Would you mind if we wait here until Milt gets back so we can have a look at the money he brings for the payroll? All right, Rogers. I don't like it, but I guess your plan is best. Me, Spavent. Thanks, Jim. No matter how this works out, you're saving your community a lot of time in tracking down some bad hombres. As Roy and John await in Jim Mitchell's office, a lone horseman is riding toward Mineral City from Squaw Creek. Near Rocky Gulch, he looks about quickly, then turns off the trail, goes through a line of huge boulders toward a ramshackle cabin that stands half-hidden among the pine trees. There, the man stops his horse, dismounts, and looks about. He's tense. His eyes scan the country from every side. Rocks, trees, shadows. And then, satisfied, he takes a leather bag from his saddle and walks toward the cabin. A quality of intense fear is on his face. He keeps looking over his shoulder as though afraid of being followed. He reaches the cabin, pushes the door open, then waits while his eyes grow accustomed to the dark interior. A voice comes to him. Come on in. I've been waiting for you, Milt. Milt. The horseman is Milt Keebler. The leather bag must contain the Mitchell Ice Company payroll. Milt steps inside the cabin and closes the door. What's the matter, Milton? You're not saying anything. Uh, hurry up, Sales. You get the counterfeit ready? Sure. Sales, I'm quitting after this trip. I've had enough. You're going on, and you're not giving us away, Milt. We're treating you right. You get your cut, and we don't send you back with all counterfeit. We just substitute a fifth of the good money with bad. Sales, I tell you, Five hundred dollars is good money for dropping in here a few minutes every trip. The boys and I don't make that much apiece. We're treating you good. You're not as much danger as I am. If the counterfeit is traced, you have time to get out. There you are. I've switched the fifth of the money. See you next trip. There won't be any next trip. I'm quitting before I... Milt! What? You're forgetting your cut. Don't you want this 500? No! No, I'm through! I'm finished with this! Milt leaves the cabin to continue his ride towards Mineral City. As soon as he's out of sight, a man in the cabin, the one called Sales, steps through the door at the back of the cabin where three henchmen have been hiding. Lawless, evil men. We'd better follow Keebler. He's scared. When a man gets scared in this racket, he needs watching. Climb on your horses. Milt Keebler has ridden directly to the Mitchell Ice Company plant and is walking down the corridor toward his own office. He's relieved because he's made what he believes is his last trip to Squaw Creek as far as having anything to do with counterfeit money is concerned. He does not know he's being followed. He does not know visitors are waiting for him in his office. He opens the door. 
come in, Mill. Come in. It's all right. Well, is anything wrong, Mr. Mitchell? <laughs> no, no, of course not. Oh, you've met Roy Rogers and Joan Wilde, haven't you, Milt? Sure, we know Milt for a long time. Yes, ever since I retired from the Army after fighting ten Lem Wars. Well, you aren't waiting here to see me. Are you right? Yes, Milt, we are. A man who works here was caught trying to pass counterfeit money. He claims he got it in his pay envelope. Uh, well, that couldn't be, unless the bank gave counterfeit money to us. We'd like to be able to stop any accusations that might be made against you, Milt. Yeah, sure to prove you ain't in league with no unlegal operators. An ounce of prevention is worth a rose by any other name. Milt, uh, if you'll open that leather bag, we'll take a look at the money you brought back from Squaw Creek. Well, there's no reason to examine this money. Eh? What's the matter, Milt? You ain't scared, are you? We want to clear you as far as the federal men are concerned, that's all. Yeah, but the money in the bag... Go ahead, Milt. Open it. I'm here to back you up. I'll stand by you. Unbuckle the straps on the bag. Well, all right, Mr. Mitchell, I... Hey! hey. Milt! Milt! That shot came through this window, Jonah. Yeah, Milt's hit, Roy. He's hurt bad. Yeah, I know. The shot didn't come by accident, either. When we open the bag, we'll probably know why. The only clue as to how Paradise Valley is being flooded with counterfeit money came when Ed Hobler was caught trying to pass some and claimed he got it in his pay envelope at the Mitchell Ice Company. Roy and Jonah waited for Milt Keebler, the company cashier, to bring the new payroll from the bank at Squaw Creek. When he arrived, they asked permission to examine the money. Milt reluctantly began opening his money bag. A shot rang out. And Milt fell to the floor. All right, that's the first portion of the Roy Rogers Show from November 9, 1951, The Gang of Counterfeiters, starring Roy Rogers and all his gang. Uh, that is a broadcast from uh, 1951 on NBC, and we'll get back to it in just a few minutes. I want to remind all of our listeners that if you shop at Woodman's, they're one of our main sponsors here on the WGN Radio Theater. If you shop at Woodman's, make sure you do not throw out your receipt, because you can take that receipt, take a picture of it with your um, you know, iPhone or your smartphone, and then email it to us at woodmanswgn at gmail.com. If you email it in to us at woodmanswgn at gmail.com, we will send you 12 classic radio shows via email, via digital download. Now, those 12 shows change every month. So... You, you know, I shop, I go grocery shopping like once every two to three weeks. Lisa, how about you? You go every week. Well, you have more people. Like twice a week. It's just me and my son. So yeah, uh, I, I go like I go like every two weeks. I'll go tomorrow and then in the middle of the week I'll have to pick up some more things. Really? Well, some fruit and things. and Yeah? Like, you know, like deli stuff. See, I go to Woodman's. Like once every two to three weeks, yeah, but how come and I load stuff up. Doesn't stay so fresh. Oh yeah, no, it does. And <laughs> and you know what? You know what I love about Woodman's? They have gigantic carts. We've talked about this before. They have way bigger cart. You know, carts. Couches. No carts than any <laughs> other store, which is great for me because I go there and I just load it all up. Right. And You're going to have to take a picture. I've got to see you loaded up. You know what? I'm going to do that the you next time. You should do that. I load up my Woodman's cart. I would like to see that. Right? Yeah. With tons of stuff. Do you bring your son and with you? 
Sometimes he comes. Yeah. yeah. And I'll Do you tell put you, him in the cart? No, I don't Push put him, him in. He's he's bigger than I am, so no. <laughs> and uh and and then here's the thing. I you save money when you shop at Woodman's. Yeah. I mean the same amount of food if I were going to any other grocery store, it would be fifty, sixty dollars more. Seriously. No, really you can would. at least feel good when you spend all that money that you got the best deal you can possibly get. It, it's so much cheaper and the food is great. Everything you could imagine is at Woodman's. But you also get classic radio shows. Right. So shop at Woodman's. If you've never shopped at Woodman's, there's a Woodman's near you. So just find it, go there, shop there, make sure you uh fill up your giant cart. And you will save a ton of money. And then when you get home, take a picture of your receipt and send it to us at woodmanswgn at gmail.com. We'll send you 12 classic radio shows via digital download. And don't forget, we do that every single month. We switch them out the first of the month. So you can get your September 12 shows right now all the way through the end of September. And then October 1, we switch it up. So which part of the receipt? Do you want just the just the where it says Woodman's on it? You know, okay. that's it. And send it to us at woodmanswgn at gmail dot com. Let's take a quick break, then we'll be right back. The proud and honorable men and women of our military are still overseas, sacrificing their lives and their families' emotions for another country's freedom. Please pray for the courageous troops of our military. This salute, courtesy of Designer Decks by MJ in Morris, where they are working hard for the future of our great community. For information, call eight one five nine four one four nine one zero eight one. Five nine four one four nine one zero. Designer Decks by MJ is thanking our military for their dedication and their service. Roger, are you coming on this cruise with us? Uh, I next? thought I was carrying your bags. Yeah, are you coming? Coming on the cruise? Well, I don't us? know. I mean, it's he a year from know. now, right? He's being a little vague. It's not quite a year. It's less than a August year now. August first of twenty twenty. So it's yeah. about eleven months. Oh well, all right. And if you'll you be save... able to, you'll be able to see really good. You know why? Because it'll be twenty twenty. You know what? <laughs> I won't even say it. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. And plus, you'll be able to see really good because we'll be on the sea. Mm. You know, you were supposed to warn me about this. I didn't know that one was coming. The first mm. one I knew, but the second one, nope. <laughs> he just sprang it on yeah, us. Yeah, that's he kind of blind. He's very, very us. quick and witty get it that blind, way. Blind, you could see. I don't get it. Okay, never. Mind. I'm hoping Roger comes with. You know, that'd be fun. Well, maybe well, if you, you paid for him, he would come. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've got uh, other commitments for next year already, all, uh, all on the books already. If he paid for you, Roger, you might consider it, though, right? I might be... consider it if he, would, <laughs> if he wanted me to come along. This will be a lot of fun. I would love to have We've never done a, one of these cruises. Well, you and Bridget, of with, course. Uh, of course. Yeah. I've, I have done classic radio cruises before. Um, with um, not with me, you no, haven't. I know not with you. <laughs> so, so we will be very different. This is going to be this is going to be the first. Did you time. ever do one with somebody wearing a big hat? No. Okay, then. No. <laughs> I, you know, I used to do these with Stan Freeberg. Oh, and yeah. Art Fleming. Oh, I'm a lot yeah. more fun. No, I know, but Stan, <laughs> Stan.
Dan was great. He we used to Charles Gardner Freeberg. One are you, of my earliest are, are you albums. a Freeberg fan? I love Stan oh, Freeberg. Yeah. He was such a great Saint guy. St. George and the Dragon. Oh yeah. Loved his what stuff. What a talented yep. guy. And so he was the host of my show for a while. Mm-hmm. And um and we used to go on the cruises every every year. We would do a cruise every single year. Mm-hmm. Before that, Art Fleming was the host of the show and me and Art and uh the and listeners would go mm-hmm. on the cruise. And Art would do like a Jeopardy thing, you know. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was so much fun. Uh, but this time, Lisa, yep, it's you. Yep, I will You're do the, the Stan Jeopardy Freeberg thing. And, and you, the you have to. I'll do it. I'll you, be. You have I'll to let fun. me and Bridget come along because then, whenever you enter a room, I could be there to announce you. Oh, right. and that's now, good. And now very, entering the room, smart. Lisa, big hat. Wolf. <laughs> yeah, right. A big floppy hat wolf. <laughs> we're going to have so much fun. We're going to make sure that everybody has fun, and uh, we'll hope that Roger can join us. Yeah, that that cruise is uh, August 1st, 2020. We're going to Bermuda, and you have the number? Yeah, Oceana Cruise Lines. Here's the number for Keen Luxury Travel. Give them a call. Sign up now before it gets full. You could call and just ask questions. They'll give you all the answers. They'll tell you. But but we just have a limited number right. of rooms for our classic radio cruise. So right. we don't want you to miss it. It sounds like 11 months is a long time, but really, cruises, you really have to book it early. The number is 800 800- 856-1155. Yep, or you can go to wjanradiotheater.com. Scroll down, you'll see a banner for our cruise. Click it, and it'll take you right to the information page. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. My Carl Amari or my Lisa Wolf? Oh, God. This late at night, I can never remember. I don't want to be you're you. You're either Carl Amari or I am. I want to be me. Or maybe you're Carl Wolf. That was Wolf. a good song by Sammy Davis Jr. It yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to be. <laughs> maybe I want to be me. Maybe you're Carl Wolf or I'm Lisa <laughs> Amari. That, no, no, I still want to be me. I want to be me. I want to be me. Was Sammy Davis? Sammy Davis, yeah. yeah. Sammy Davis? Oh, wow. If I'm not mistaken, it was from my uh, uh, play. Isn't it from, I want to say, Stop the World, I Want to Get Off? Could be. I, I'm trying you know to remember. You know what? You what? might be right. I've never actually seen that show, if you can believe it. That's what you've seen every show. Uh, well, most, here's the thing. Here's the thing I'm yeah. sure of, Roger. Yeah. You're either right or you're not. So how's that trip coming there? It's it's coming really really well. Good. A lot of people are signing up. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. I know. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> I still say I could carry your bags. All Wouldn't right. Cost you anything? You got to make that happen. We'd love to see you. You'll, if you're carrying Lisa's bags, there'll mm-hmm. be uh, Louis Vuitton. Oh please, yeah. Louis! Louis's got to buy his Louis. own ticket. You know Louis, what? Louis Louis's going to be busy that weekend. We're going to go with Sam tonight. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> the way I throw you your call, luggage, you're going to need Sam tonight. You can just call him Sammy for short. <laughs> yeah, like you. Yeah. A woman, well, a woman you know with a bank account as big the, as Lisa's um, has, does the, not have stamps tonight. This is true. Do you know where I got where my luggage comes from? Where Amazon. Really? I'm not kidding you. Yeah. I got my luggage from Amazon, right. and I got it from Costco. So Costco you can buy has the Louis best Vuitton luggage. luggage no, from I don't. Costco? I, no, I don't. I don't use that. I get the Costco special. Uh-huh. It's kind of like a blue light special, but uh-huh. it's Costco. Carl, how do you think she still got all this money? She's very frugal. Very- 
Very frugal. <laughs> we don't. Uh, we, <laughs> the other day we were downtown and we went shopping at Nordstrom. Oh, no. Lisa and I. Yeah. We were downtown here for a meeting, and so we we had some extra time. So we went into Nordstrom, and the woman is trying to sell her. She she's like, oh, I got to go into a Clinique. Is that what you uh-huh. bought? It some? was. Yeah. It was face, like face moisturizer. Face moisturizer. Yeah. And so the woman, she's like, I just need one bottle. And so the woman's like, well, if you get this, you get mm-hmm. two, and it's it's almost the same amount of money and this and that. And so she's trying hey. to talk Lisa, and Lisa's kind of kind of bargaining with her a little bit. I said, Lisa, just buy it. You're rich. And what did the lady say? She laughed. Didn't oh, say much at all. Laughing. Didn't say much. I did buy it, she but it was a it. much better deal. I'm it was a saying. much better deal. And then I said to her, well, you know what? And then she bought something else. And I said, I'll buy Why don't I just buy this for your birthday? And She's I like, s- no. I said, no, She's because like, it was face wash. Yeah. Like, I don't want She's face like, no, for my birthday. No, I want something birthday. more special from you for my I birthday. I said I wanted something that I wouldn't already buy for myself. Yeah. That's what I said. I think that's well, fair. I'm going to Clinique and buying you that same, <laughs> same face wash. I don't need it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> she already by washed then her you'll face. need some more. I won't. No? <laughs> my <laughs> birthday's around day. the corner. That's right. It what are we is. celebrating soon, right? October no, October 13th. That's right. We're going right. to celebrate. It's yeah. on the 14th, which uh-huh. is a Monday. Right. So on the 13th, we're going to have some mighty good cake. All right. Ooh, yummy. Let's get back now to the Roy Rogers Show. The shot came through this window, but there's nobody on the street, nobody at all. Must have been done by a sharpshooter, Roy. Bill. Bill. Roy, come here. Bill's still alive. He's trying to say something. What is it, Milt? What do you want to what do you want us to know? What? Say it again, Milt. Sales. Hey, sounded to me like a name of some kind, Roy. Yeah. Sales. Hey, there's a Nandy sale staying over at the boarding house. Hey, look at Milt, will you? I better run over and get to Doc. Too late, Jonah. Doc can't help this now. I heard a shot, and I knew you and Jonah. Milt Kabler. Somebody fired a shot through the window, Dale. But why? Why would anyone want to shoot Milt? He may be involved in counterfeiting. Jim, let's take a look at that money Milt was carrying. Milt couldn't have been mixed up with counterfeiters. Nobody will ever make me believe that. Oh, no, of course not. Here, I'll help you get that thing unbuckled, Roy. Well, sir, you know, Corporal Dumphy carried a bag like this all through the Sandy Hills campaign. The poor fellow trudged clear across the wastelands carrying that bag. Felt sorry for him. I'll get this buckle, Jonah. Yeah, and not until the war was over did anybody find out what was in it. And then only me, Corporal Dumphy, told me with tears in his eyes. Well, what was in it? Socks, Dale. Yes, sir, socks. Dozens of them. You see, Corporal Dumphy had his sweetheart, and, and she had a mortal fear of his being shot in the doctor's finding, and he was wearing second-day socks at the time. So every day she'd knit a new pair and send them to him. Frida the Fiend was her name. Frida the Fiend? Uh-huh. She was a big, tall... Hey, look here. What is it, Roy? Counterfeit money. It can't be, Roy. You're mistaken. Two bundles out of the tin. The other eight are good. Smell cheaper. Oh, excuse me. We're pretty busy now, Mr. Sayers. Uh, just a minute, Jim. Come on in, Sales. Uh, you are Andy Sales, aren't you? Yeah, but I was looking for Milk Keebler. He and I... What happened here? Sales, Milk mentioned your name as he died. My name? What did he say about me? Nothing. He just called your name. Oh. Well, we were pretty good friends, it may be. Well, if he... you were good friends, you probably knew that he was mixed up with a gang of counterfeiters. Yes, I did. I knew it. I'd have staked my life he wasn't. I begged him to quit. He'd promised me that 
this would be the last time he'd have any dealings with him, and, well, the reason I came here now is to protect him this time. I didn't want him to take another chance. Well, see, I, I, I brought 2000 in cash of my own money to replace the counterfeit I knew Milk would have. Sales, how much do you know about the gang Milk was working with? Now, so I can take you to him right now, I think, under certain conditions. What do you mean, certain conditions? The gang is suspicious. You know that from what's just happened. They're trigger men. they got eyes and ears everywhere. And I don't want them to spot me talking to any lawmen. So if I take you to them, we'll leave right from here, all of us. We'll all go. Nobody stays behind to tell the federal men to trail me. The gang knows the federal men. Well, how about it? We'll meet your condition, Sales. Our horses are outside. Let's get started. Andy Sales' twisted, scheming brain has sized up the situation well. These four, Roy, Dale, Jonah, and Jim Mitchell, are the only people who know Milt Keebler was killed in connection with the counterfeiters. They must be led away, disposed of in such a manner that they can never tell what they know. Then there will be no evidence, for Sales gathered up the counterfeit bills when he replaced them with the good money from his own pocket. Now Sales is leading them along the trail to Squaw Creek. They're nearing Rocky Gulch. Hey, Sales, just a minute. What's the matter? Pull up your horses. We're stopping here. Oh, oh, Tiny. Easy, Buttermilk. Oh, boy. Oh. Anything wrong, Rogers? Yeah. Considerable. You're not backing down, are you? I hope not, because... No, we're not backing down. But I think we've gone far enough on your say-so. We've got a right to know where we're going. Yeah. I said that to General Thomas Kenneth Rule once and got court-martialed. Well, we're almost there, Rogers. It's not much further. Just a little way. Roy, speaking for all of us, Sales, we insist on knowing where we're headed. Well, I'm a little bit sorry to hear you put it that way. I thought you had more trust. Are we going to find out or not? Sure, I don't mind telling you. There's a hideaway cabin back in among these boulders. It's in a good spot, right under the pine trees. That's where the gang stays. Now we're getting somewhere. Then why all the fuss about not telling us? The way I got things planned, the best thing is for me to ride in and see if the gang is there. If it is, I'll let you know and we can take over. Okay, go ahead. Wait right here. I'll size up the situation and then we'll know how to go after them. Roy, I got a feeling we're letting the enemy escape. He shouldn't go alone, Roy. He may need protection. He's not going alone. I'll follow him, but by myself. If all of us went, we'd be heard. And as far as protection goes, I think I can protect Sales if he needs protection. Roy and Traeger follow Sales as he leaves the trail and rides through the boulder-strewn gulch toward a ramshackle cabin. Sales stops in front of the cabin, and Roy stops too, but some distance away. He watches, concealed by the pine trees. Sales goes into the cabin, then closes the door. Roy waits. His suspicions are aroused now. This cabin is supposed to be the gang's hideout, yet Sales went directly inside. And Roy can only watch. He has no way of knowing what is taking place in the cabin. We didn't do a good job with that rifle. Mel Keebler lived a while. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Listen to me. I haven't got much time. Milt mentioned my name. He may have said a lot more, but if he did... Only four people know about it, and I've got those four with me, outside. We're too near the main trail to do any shooting here. But you fellas take the shortcut to last chance mine. I'll bring them there. 
Wait in the back chamber with your guns ready. I'll send them in. The light will be behind them. They'll make good targets, and we'll get them fast before they have a chance to see the equipment that's stored there. Roy, still watching, sees Andy Sales come out of the cabin, and he sees something more, something that surprises him. Three men follow Sales and stand in the open door, bidding him goodbye. Roy rides back to the trail where Dale and Jonah are waiting with Jim Mitchell. What is it, Roy? Hey, something wrong? Hey, what'd you find out, Rogers? Dale, you'd better head for town. The gang's in that cabin. Get the sheriff and tell him to pick up the federal men and ride out here. Maybe you'd better bring Bullet, too. The gang didn't get sales? I think he's in league with them. I'll bring a posse back right away. Oh, what do we want with the sheriff, Roy? What does he know? Now, Jonah, the sheriff's a pretty fair law officer, even if he isn't a good judge of spavins. Well, it ain't no laughing matter to me. Hey... Here comes Sales, Roy. My hawks is a matter of personal pride. We'll let Sales take the lead, Mitchell. I went to the hideout, Roy, and... Wait a minute. What's happened to the girl? I sent her for a posse. Uh, A posse? You sent for a posse? That's all right, isn't it? Why, uh, yeah, sure. But I'm afraid the posse will be coming to the wrong place. The gang isn't here. Oh, is that so? No, but don't worry. I know where to find them. They have to be in one of two places, either here or at last chance mine. I see. Uh, You'll be taking us up there, then. Is that right, Sales? Yeah. I'm uh, sorry your posse will have this trip for nothing. Yeah, I am too. Maybe we won't need a posse. I know pretty well what we're up against now. It doesn't make much difference where we take them, here or somewhere else. Been a long time since I was in the last chance mine. The back chamber, Roy. No, this is no place for a cavalry soldier. It's dark. I can't see the plague tade rocks. I'm twisting my ankles every which way. I agree with you perfectly, Jonah. And further, I might bruise my hocks. And then a spavin wood develop. There's a fire door. The hideout is just back of it. Even in the almost total darkness of the tunnel, the outlines of the fire door can be seen. Roy studies it a minute. Unknowing that it hides three men, guns in hand, ready to kill. All right, Sales. You said you knew how to open the door. The latch. Raise it. That trips a bar inside. Go ahead. We're ready. You do it, Roy. Open the door, I said. Oh, I, I can't, Roy. Hear you. What are you backing up against the wall for? Roy. I know you're tricking us, Sales. I saw you talking with the men back at Rocky Gulch. Now open that door. I can't open it. I can't. I'll be killed if I do. That's what I thought. But we'll still get this gang. Here, Jim. Hold our double-crossing friend. Keep back out of the way, Jonah. You ain't gonna open the door yourself, Roy. I sure am. Fast like this. Hold it, Jonah. Don't shoot back. Darn sneaks. Come on. We're moving in on it. Making no sound, Roy and Jonah creep into the black chamber of the mine, moving only an inch or two at a time, but getting nearer, nearer. A slip now, the slightest noise, and death would be sure and quick. Roy and Jonah are in the chamber with the killers, close to them, almost touching. All right, Jonah, let's take them. Roy and Jonah leap to their feet, striking out fast. The startled killers cry out in alarm, their voices giving Roy and Jonah their locations. One goes down. Another. And a third. Killers are true. Strike a mess, Jonah, so we can see how to drag these rattlers out of here. 
Prisoners are taken outside the tunnel. Sales alone is conscious. And he half hysterically confesses his part in passing the bad money and in the murder of Milk Keeper. Roy turns the prisoners over to the sheriff who is waiting with his posse. If it hadn't been for Bullet, we'd never have been able to find your trail, Roy. Right now, I wouldn't take a million dollars for that dog. You're a real partner, Bullet. Well, we got this gang anyhow, Sheriff. People in Paradise Valley can rest a little easier tonight. I'll say they can, Roy. I'm only sorry my company had to be involved, even innocently. Oh, shucks, we got our lead from your company, or our intelligence, as General Thomas Kenneth Rowe would say. There's that General T.K. Rowe again. I wish... Well, Jonah, what happened to you? Yeah, I've been in a battle, that's what. And I'm probably looking, too. One pants leg tore clean off. I should say you do look it. Mm. Oh, uh, Jonah. Hey, your hocks are sure exposed. Yeah, well, I did. All right. Come here, you tin-starred baritone. Now let Roy and Jim Mitchell hold the outlaws. I want you to examine my hocks inch by inch and see if you find the least sign of any spavin. Well, Them no. hocks is as full-blossomed and as clean-cut as if... Jonah, what in the world are those things? Eh? Oh, them socks. But they're made of lace. Who ever heard of lace socks? Well, nobody much. They're very rare. See, they're very rare. You see, <laughs> Corporal Dumphy had too many. Frida the Fiend knitted him a pair every day, so he gave me some, and I've been well supplied ever since. But why lace? Well, of course, Frida the Fiend knit him that way. You see, Frida was a fiend for fresh air, and with her, everything had to be ventilated. She had Hey, a great... Sheriff, let's get out of here. I wish I'd never come. Yeah, poor Frida. Her hat slipped down over her face one day, and she suffocated to death. Roy, I'm going to scalp him. Now, hold on now, Sheriff. Yes, I am. Hold on, you can't do this. Jonah's my sidekick. And besides, if you did that, Jonah would look like Slick Top Sue. some black eyed peas, I want some mustard greens, I want some corn pone on the side. I want my chicken fried with a golden hide. Ah, San Antonio, now don't you say I'm silly, cause I like my chili all over my scrambled eggs. I want to go to Dallas, see my cousin Miles. Ah, San Antonio, I want to see a blue bonnet. Now there's a place that's dandy by the Rio Grande, just across from Mexico. I want an enchilada and a big postrata. San Antonio, say I believe to see I'm a la joven. I can you quero in no pedovidad in the mundo you think una rosa. Con el tempo yo voy a cutar. See, I believe the si fuero con otro. They say, get all the way a sense of sar. Por vapor, si buques de guerra. Por tierra en un tren militar. Ayan el rancho grande, allá donde viví.
for now, folks. This is Roy Rogers saying to all of you from all of us, goodbye, good luck, and may the good Lord take a liking to you. See you next week. Happy trails to you Until we meet again Happy trails to you Keep smiling until then The Roy Rogers Show is brought to you by Post Serials Each week at this same time with the Whippoorwills, Forrest Lewis, Dale Evans, and the king of the cowboys himself, Roy Rogers. An Art Rush production transcribed. Directed by Tom Hargis, script by Ray Wilson, music by Milton Charles. Featured in today's cast were Frank Hemingway, Herb Butterfield, Pat McGeehan, and Howard McNear. This is Art Ballinger speaking for... P.O.S.T. Post Serials. Happy trails to you. Until we meet again Happy trails to you Keep smiling until then Who cares about the clouds if we're together Just sing a song and bring the sunny weather Happy trails to Oh, isn't that great, Lisa? It is. You could just see them like on their horses or in a, you know, in a stagecoach or something, and they're going and riding off into the sunset, singing that song. And what's amazing is that we all know that song. Sure.